the Realm Lords, the Lumineth call themselves, for their mastery over the lands is unrivaled. These numinous beings, the elven scions of the twin gods Tyrion and Teclas, have scintillating magic in their blood. They have dwelt long in Hish, the realm of light, where enlightenment and skill saturates the very air. The Lumineth have absorbed so much of this innate potential that when at war, they glow with lambent power. To face their war hosts in battle is to face a barrage of magic, a forest of blades, a crashing assault of elemental wrath. That claim of mastery also carries a deadly arrogance. The Lumineth come in glory, but they hail from a broken land, their elegant spires toppled and their statuary crumbled in the dust of a dead empire. The stories tell that it was the scourge of chaos that ravaged Hish, that the transformation of the Ten Paradises into spell-haunted ruin was unavoidable, but it was a terrible civil war that opened the door. Since the time of reinvention, the Lumineth have made their peace with the lands they call home. Now they go to war in all the splendor of bygone days, the warrior Venari phalanxes gleaming bright, catching the blinding rays of magic sent searing out by the gifted Sinari cast. Alongside them march the warriors of the Elementary Temples, those who have bonded in mind, body, and spirit with the geomantic entities of their shattered homelands. Most majestic of all are the towering avatars of those magical places, the war forms of Hish itself. All those who threaten the Lumineth's agenda will be mercilessly removed from existence. The Lumineth fight a war for reality itself, and in that war, there can be no sacrifice too great. Welcome to the Garage, you tools, for the next few hours. We're going to do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Bringing you Techless and Techless and Techless. Actually, a lot more than just Techless, but Techless. I'm David Whitech, and today, while Alex is still finishing up his move and his unpacking and all of that glorious, wonderful stuff that comes with being an adult, I am going to be joined by my son Harrison, the former Phoenix Prince, who adored this game and all of the High Elves and all of their glory above just about anything else. And then there were no more High Elves, and then he stopped playing, and then he went to college, and now, guess what? He's home, and he has seen the realm lords and he's ex excited as you can be so that's what we're going to do today we're talking lumineth realm lords lore um it's going to be awesome now before we get to that really quick i'd like to thank our sponsors chaos orc superstore 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 also six squared studios for all your basing needs for your trays for your bits um and they do custom work too, dude. Like, if you have something special you need, get in touch with them. The number six, the word squared studios.ca. Um, they do basically, if you want something done, they can do it. Um, tokens, uh, little trackers, counters, anything. Um, they do an amazing job. So, get in touch with them. And of course, finally, as you well know, there's always something happening at 
Grognards. Where's my bell? It is not right next to me. My bell. Hey, why don't you reach your right arm out? That's not a bell. Forward. That's not a bell. Go a little bit more. That's not a bell. I don't see a bell. Oh. Nobody likes a wise guy, especially a 19-year-old one. I couldn't see it behind all of your junk. You're a horrible human being. Go away. Nobody likes you until the commercial breaks over. There's always something happening at Grognards. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. My son and I sometimes get into it. Um. Okay. Also, before we get into it, uh, we need to thank our Patreon sponsors. Yes, those are the people, the almost 1% that make this show and all the cool things we do on it possible. Uh, of course, our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, Lance Pear, and our newest patron, who's not a new patron, but a returning patron, AJC. Also, our executive producers, Colin Miller and Andrew Frankusen. Thank you, guys. And every other patron, past, present, and future, who make everything we do here possible. Uh, what else? Oh, voicemail. By the way, if you don't know, we have voicemail. We have voicemail, and you can leave a voicemail on this show and probably have it uh, on the air. Uh, all you have to do is dial 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's right, 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Most foreign countries just dial zero zero and then one seven five seven GH show six and you too can leave a voicemail and be on the show. We got a ton of voicemails since the last episode. Uh, I'm going to address this really quick because I have no time to play all these voicemails. Um, a lot of voicemails, a lot of emails, a lot of comments on the uh, Garage Hammer Facebook page. So last episode. Uh, I had a bit of a rant, and I don't do my rants too often, um, just because I don't put that type of stuff into the show generally, but I did a bit of a rant, and I, of course, I expected anytime you pick a side on anything, some people are going to be with you, and some people are going to be against you, and uh, it's funny, you know, that's what you do nowadays, you just... You, if you if you if you don't agree with me, you're literal Hitler. It's really weird. Now I will say this: about eighty five percent positive. Literally got twenty voicemails. Three of them uh, were telling me horrible things and that my parents were never married and things like that. Got some emails. People quit the Facebook page. People. Uh, people quit the Patreon page. People, it, it happens, you know, and it happens. And I, I'm not going to sit here and, and worry about that. Look, I mean, it's like I said before, if I have to explain to you why it's a good thing to just be nice to people and um, to let them feel like they belong, like they have value, if I have to explain to you why that's good and why telling them they don't have those things is bad, then I can't help you anyway. But we're not going on a rant. I'm just bringing this up because literally have 20 voicemails, and I try to play them all, and there's just no way. And you know what? I'm not addressing this anymore either. I said it. I talked about it. I'm done. Uh, to those of you who, who sent me letters or, um, I mean, emails, or contacted me in other ways and showed support. Thank you so much. 
that's, that's all I can say. Um, and, I, and I'm glad that you are, um, I don't know, good people. I'm glad that 85% of the listenership, and if that is any uh, extrapolation out to the whole listenership, is, uh, is good people. And uh, that's just great. But, yeah, I'm not going to bring it up and, uh, and um, you know, because it's done. So just wanted to thank everybody who was very supportive uh, for this because uh, I don't often do stuff like that. But that's neither here nor there. What is here right now is two bright, shiny, lumineth Realm Lords books. Beautiful covers, lots of interesting lore, and what we're going to do is take a quick break. We're obviously going to skip through the toolbox and skip that stuff. Uh, When we come back, Harrison is here, and he and I are going to dive into this book and all the coolness. And uh, if you were even thinking about starting this army, um, maybe... I. I just have a feeling that I'm going to get, I often, after we do the lore and war sections, I will get people saying, darn you, white tech, you got me to start a new army, and I spent lots of money. Well, you know, (laughs) excellent, excellent. Uh, That's more people getting more into the hobby, more ways to express themselves in the hobby, and man, just everything about this army is exciting me. Um... If, if the rest of it comes out in time, uh, I am supposed to get together with a few friends, hopefully sometime, uh, probably in the fall at this point, because, uh, you know, but I'm hoping to get together with a few friends and just have a day where we can get a few games in, where we're all, you know, safe and, 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 and can do this. And if I can get this, two, if I can get 2,000 points of this done and together before we're all supposed to get together... I think I'm going to leave the night haunt at home and take Harrison's toys with me because this is just, oh, I'm, I'm so into this. This is so much fun for me. I'm so excited. I never thought I'd be this excited about a, a an, an elf book. Um, but I am. And it's fantastic. And when we come back, we're going to talk all about it. So I'm going to, I'm going to shut down, go to commercial, come back. Realm Lords. Realm Lords, Realm Lords, Realm Lords. Gonna love it. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. We're back. So here I am with the Lumineth Realm Lords book. 
and there's two books in the room because there's two of us in the room because I am here with none other than the long absent and happily returned Harrison Whitech. Harrison, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's only been like four years or whatever. It's been a while. I think the last time you were on, we were playing... We were playing 8th because I haven't played this game because there were no elves. That's right. We were playing Triumph and Treachery, I think. Oh, I think we were. Oh, I vaguely even remember that existing. I just remember you playing with us and you being just so fun and just trying to egg other people on to do other stuff. All right, so let's jump into Lumineth Realm Lords because... I know when they did the release, now before we get into the book, when they did the release preview. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you looked at that and you're like, dad. It's it's real proper elves. Sure, they have hammers now. We're not going to talk about that. They have hammers now, but they're Only real proper one elves. one unit has hammers. That's, that's one unit too many, if you ask me. <laughs> but... <laughs> But so, yeah, you're looking at them. They're real proper elves. They're, uh, they as, got as pointy hats and everything. Yeah, they're great. So we get the book, and uh, I just want to thank uh, everybody who helped us out because I, um, uh, I know Dylan Smith, uh, we got a copy of the book for you from him. Cause yeah, he that's had, the one I'm holding. Yeah, he had more copies than uh, – he had a couple of sets of, he, more than he needed with the books. Um, and also other good friend, other good friend of the show, uh, Nick Napliotis, uh, he got, I, we got one from him to Alex so that Alex can cover the war section next episode. So Alex can look at Teclas in all of his glory. <laughs> now don't start because we're not doing that. We're not having that fight anymore. We all know what we feel. We're here to talk about what we like, not what we hate. This is I really like Teclas. I think everyone <laughs> knows that. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, even the model came out, and you're like, okay, it's different, but I still like it. Oh, it's so it's it's so good. It's it's different, especially since the old Teclas looked like the old Nagash with the big stupid hat and the big stupid staff and the big angry face. His face is still angry. He's never happy. Uh, no, he's not known for that. <laughs> so, um. You got the cover with the hammer dudes, which I know makes you unhappy, but of course, these are the guys who are part of the spirit of the mountain. I don't even, it's not that I hate the hammer dudes, I actually kind of like the fact that they are, they're like kind of different looking hammers, how they look more like croquet mallets, because it actually looks like something an elf would use. Mm -hmm. It's a bit more, it's a bit more of like the elegance, and uh -huh. I don't know, I guess like, well, it, it seems like the balance would be a li bit different and allow for like more fluid motion. So and I once think you read the lore, elfy, yeah. Once you read the lore, you kind of understand where the the, the oh, elemental yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, comes it makes in a lot more that. sense in the lore. It's just that they're elves with hammers, and that that seems antithetical. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't follow the rules we know. But then again, these guys don't follow the rules we know. No, eating, getting eaten by Slanash will do that to you. So let's uh, let's quick talk about. Uh, the ideas, the big ideas in this book. Oh, yeah. So, and I know you have some questions because you're reading this and there's some things you don't understand because you don't I'm know gonna the lore. I'm going to be totally honest. I don't know any of like, the basic lore for AOS that like you probably should know before reading this. So, there were a lot of stuff that I know I just, gla I just glazed over because it didn't seem significant to me. <laughs> and there's stuff that I know was definitely significant, but I didn't know the significance. So, here we are. Right. So um, the big themes, though, these big ideas, uh, obviously you have another fall. 
yeah, like isn't like like all the elves. It, it it very much follows the themes of like the of the craft world Eldar. It seems to, doesn't it? Yeah, it it has a lot of the structure of, uh, like, you 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 foc you focus yourself on, on like your artisanal uh crafts and stuff like that that you do to better yourself as an individual and. Like the actual war element of the race is kind of secondary, and it's just more seen as like civic duty, kind of like how the craft world's like w- when when things hit the fan, they all they all take up arms, but they don't necessarily want to do it, which I find very interesting. Yeah, in fact, um, one of the things that I really found kind of interesting was I I was writing in my notes too. It it felt very much like, um. Eldar, the elders. Instead of giving birth to Slanesh, it was just their big downfall came in, allowing him into the realm. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not the birth of Slanesh, but it's like effectively the birth of Slanesh. Well, he was already trapped by them, and that's part of it. Is he? You know, these these guys trapped him, but then they build this beautiful society, which then gets there where bef- where with the Eldar story, their corruption. And their their, and their decadence, their and all decadence, that um, birthed him. Here, uh, that that kernel is still inside them, and it allows uh, it allows for that sort of that corruption and that that rot to uh, to go. Basically, they suffer what and it's this is these are classic elf stories. They are these elves are very otherworldly. It, it it's wonderful. There there's not. At times in the old world, it kind of felt like elves were humans with pointy ears who could live a while. There, th- elves are different in this. They're not. They're not humans at all. They're not what we would even consider to be anything close to human. They are distinctly another people. Right, and they're and you know we ha- we have a couple of different races of elves already. We have the. Uh, the Deepkin, we have the the daughters of the Cain, daughters kinda. of Cain, yeah, um, and they uh, and it's interesting how as they were all all of these came and we find out from his book that I mean other than apparently apparently other than Teclas, Tyrion, and uh, Malarian, nobody else made it out. <laughs> I mean, there was a few, very few, yeah. but but. Sigmar found them, and and they they went to they went to live with him. Yeah, the, then they they live in the cities of Sigmar, but ninety nine plus percent of everybody got killed, which is crazy. That killed was, and then eaten by a god of chaos. Well, that was the thing. Slanesh ate. Slanesh caught them all. Like they didn't make it through. And when you look at all the other races and how much of them went through, and how they were populated in entire civilizations. Of Dwarden, entire civilizations of man, entire civilizations of orcs and and ogres, and, and we're talking about like three digits of elves, maybe. And it's crazy, isn't it? That yeah, it's. I didn't realize how much, like when the world that was was dying, and we knew Slanesh was gorging himself and just taking that, but it, I didn't. And realize. there weren't terribly many elves to begin with in the world that was because they didn't have like a need for huge populations because they lived forever, but. Like triple digits. That's it. That's all that made it out. It seems like it. It's they, while we don't have an exact number. It's just. It. I mean, it more than a handful, but not much more. 
And um, so then one, I think one of the other things that, that we learn here is that, um, you know, the realm lords are still, these are still mostly, it seems, to be elves that were pulled from Slanesh. Oh, I I, be- I thought they were all elves that were pulled. No, because if you get to a couple of the other races, when they get to some of the uh, the, the the different uh, groups from the different uh, the different uh, places, hold on, what is it here? I think it's Iliatha, uh, the mothers of the spirit. They have pushed really hard that they um, they push really hard to have children. Uh, and in fact, their goal is to have oh, children yeah, yeah, and give yeah. them every all the information and all, and basically have them surpass. I, I meant you. like like the ones who became the Lumineth, as opposed to the ones who are just simply born into it. Well, right, yes, but the, yeah, in the in the beginning, yeah, they're all pulled, and it's just you. I was wondering, and you, what I liked about this, what made me really excited in this book, was we finally got a little bit more answers, like. The 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 we, deep we kind of know where Slanesh is now. Yeah, like well, that's cool. Well, we all knew. You didn't know. Well, yeah, well, we know but like what's going on. We him, actually, or? there's other books that tell us a lot more about what's going on. In fact, the, the Slanesh book came out, and that tells you a lot, including how much I don't Slanesh. Remember the Slanesh book coming out? <laughs> oh no, it was it was big. well. I mean, you were at college, but uh, yeah, no. In fact, he's slowly breaking those chains, and when the Necro Cake came through, a lot of them are broken, and he is slowly getting out. Which is yeah, why they're being able to find him because he's not in that perfect balance hiding spot anymore. Exactly. But even Teclas and Tyrion admit that there is no way they could have kept him locked up forever. That's simply not possible. Right. And I love that they admit that and that they know it. Um, yeah. It, Tecla, they're not fools. I mean. But, okay. You know, you you, what, you get the Slanesh book and you know he's chained up, okay? But then you get, like, the Deepkin book. And all you get is the Deepkin history, which they don't have much other than until they got pulled out of Slanesh. Yeah, exactly. So you just hear that they were made, and news. then they were made, and there was something dark and sort of broken with them, and Teclas tried to fix them, and when he couldn't, he tried to kill them. Okay, that's one view. Then you get Marathi pulling them out, and they're all twisted like her. A lot of them are twisted into snake form. They're not all humanoid. Part of, part of me wonders if that's like not entirely Slanesh's fault, if that's more of like Marathi is pulling them out, and then, oh, whoops, you're a snake now. I doesn't it. that suck? Uh, yeah, I, it doesn't seem like that from reading the book. Um, but it's Marathi. We can't trust her <laughs> as far as... We can't trust her less than we can throw her. Uh, that's true. Let's face it. I mean, when you read the book, basically you read... I remember reading that when you're reading about how she's the avatar of... Not the avatar, but she's the the, 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 the prophet, prophet of Cain and doing all this stuff. And you get halfway through the book and it's like, and by the way, this is all lies. Yeah. It's like, By the oh. way, Kane's been dead. He didn't come back. He was yeah. dead way before all this. Bananas, right? So you got her, but her. now you get a book, and it's like, oh, these are legit elves. Why are they legit elves? And this is where you get, yeah, well, as they kept pulling them out, they got better at it. They pulled them out, and they were able to sort of heal and not mangle them any worse, and then actually heal them so they could be... Yeah, what they they're back to experience their full potential. Bre- experience breeds skill in this case, and the skill is not completely destroying the souls of people that you're pulling out of a god. Oh, so, but so now we kind of know. Um, and and the, there's other bits of information in here too, which are actually kind of sad. Um, in fact, where it talks about, uh, you know, I like the beginning in the Age of Myth when they're talking about Tyrion alone. Yeah, let's okay. So let's jump into that. Well, let's okay. You got the beginning, which talks about the uh, the elves of Hish, and we've been talking a little about that. They've got the ten paradises, which are like their ten big 
major like nations or something like that. They didn't start off that way, I don't think, because it was just nations, states, cities, whatever well, you want to call them. Yeah, I mean, when it started off, I mean, you know, it says Tyrion was walking around and fa- found all ten of them. They must have been like ten beautiful areas or something like that because they hadn't formed them obviously because it was just Tyrion. Yeah. It was just Tyrion for a really long time. Also, really strange bit. This is not Tyrion's book, obviously. He's not even in here, and I'm waiting for that army to come out. Oh, I'm also waiting for that army to come out. <laughs> and I would really, I mean, I'm, while I would like them to get their own book, I'm almost expecting, it would be almost like when they came out with the Orc and the Ogre book later, when it's like, okay, we know we have two books. Now we're coming out with one book that they're both in. It would not surprise me if the next book that came out was Lumineth Plus. Was still Lumineth Realm Lords, but it was just this plus the whole other half of the army. Um, I know some people would get mad at that. You're milking us for new books, but I mean, come on, we've had four Stormcast well, I'm books. Go- I'm going to buy the book either way, so well, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> so, um, you know, it starts talking about Tyrion, the Lord of Illumination. Not Illumination, Illumination. Um, and it talks about their dark history, the time of atonement known as reinvention. But they do. They sound like Farseers. They sound like people. Like oh, yeah. They, they, they have a plan. They, they absolutely under- sound like Farseers. Yeah. They, they, it's like, oh, they kind of they, they can see better what's happening in the realms than other races. So there are times when they're like, we need to stop this thing happening here. And they, they might show up and wipe everything out to lock things down. And other people are like, oh, what are they doing? Well, since we just kind of fin- since we just finished it and it's on my mind, they kind of almost remind me of the commission from the Umbrella Academy, where it's like they just show up and they do what needs to get done to make sure that everything goes according to cl- uh, goes according to plan, everything goes safely, and then they leave. Like they they do what needs to happen. Yeah, and I don't think and and neither of them are necessarily benevolent. They are doing what they think needs to happen, and it really is happening for the benefit of the realm lords. Like, uh, but that's okay with me. So. <laughs> okay. Do they wish to help the other races? Yes. I think when you read about the different r- places that they come in, the different groups, they do want to help the other races. No, they're not actively malicious. They're no, just... But it's there is definitely a, 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 a us first and then everybody else sort of attitude here. Mm-hmm. Which, I, you know what? It's, most other races have the same yeah, attitude exactly. in, this, uh, in this game. So I don't fault them for that. I can't think of a single race that doesn't with the possible exception of the Stormcast. That's true. Although Stormcast probably, if they were fighting, would defend oh, the and also death, but also they don't think so. Don't <laughs> yeah, think that okay. True, true. Um, so maybe there's a lot of, I guess you could call, actively good people in this world, and we're just not one of them. But that's okay. Yes, exactly. Um, I also like that they're back to that whole shunning emotion thing. It's very Vulcan. It's very sort of Elven. Um, it's interesting because that wasn't a huge point in the old world. No. In fact, the the Dark Elves were, were not like that at all. No, they weren't. Um, so it's interesting that the Realm Lords have decided to go this way, to go with, the, you know, we're, we're going to do our magic and we're going to keep logical and we're not going to let emotions flare. Now, I suppose having... Which is what happened with the Eldar, and since, I guess, two races came to the same conclusion independently, that might be the best way to deal with Slanesh. Po- yes, possibly, uh, or but, the safest way, at least. Well, but these guys didn't let their emo- but they, I guess their emotions, their petty jealousies and stuff, end up taking over and messing things up. Um, there's also some really neat stuff about how the different elements, uh, river, mountain, wind, and zenith, 
what is zenith is that like the ether uh the only zenith i know is the zenith angle of a sphere Mm-hmm. So that's not super helpful. That's uh, just the only Zenith I know is the old te- TV manufacturer that your gra- your great grandmother used to work at the factory. So, so you know somehow less than I do. <laughs> exactly. Um, but when you look at the little uh, their uh, their symbols later on in the book, uh, it shows the giant the mandala they call it. And um, I'm looking. What page is that on? Page twenty three. And you've got river under the mountain under wind, and then there's zenith, which I'm just assu- maybe that's because that's the, that they converse with the moon and stuff like that. Maybe that's just that pa- the stuff past our our knowledge. It's possible because okay, we're gonna get a little mathy here. Uh, the uh, the zenith angle of a sphere is partially used in the definition of spherical coordinates, which is a lot of times used in astronomy for things like uh, measuring the movement of the moon and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So it could have something to do with that. Cool. But I also don't know if a lot if that much attention was put into this because I, it, dude, it, it might be because there's a lot of stuff they do. They'll use a it, lot. It's of, possible. I don't know. And I will say that, is that, a, that when is we a bit get to mathy. that runic mandala, when you look at that big fancy rune, and then when it explains what it is, I'm like, oh, I can see it. I see it exactly. Exactly. The river yeah. running down and coming down. There's the mountain. The wind curving and blowing over it, and then the zenith over that. I'm like, oh, I I get this. I really get this, and you can see how they mix the different ones together. They're all they're all completely interrelated. It's just that it it, it shows how they're related mm-hmm. while also looking elfy. I mean, basically, they're almost all completely included in here. There's just some some little bits put off or overlaid. Um, but so you've got all these these basic elements, and we find out that the realm lords are. Well, after coming to almost their complete destruction, almost destroying everything they had built in their realm, they learned to be one with the realm, which is very... Which is so cool. Well, and it's so elvish. Yeah, I mean, the wood elves showed up in a forest where they're where it just actively kills you, and then they somehow made it a home. Right, and even if you look, if you look at even with some of the other elves, like the more high elf or the Tolkien esque sort of elves, they, you know, they they live in more of a <laughs> Tolkien esque natural... elves. They showed up in a forest that was actively trying to kill them, and somehow made it a home. <laughs> yeah, that's another one. Yeah, but there's that whole uh, sense of being in a symbiosis with what's around you. Um, that that comes together. Uh, I like how they talk about the uh, the war hosts. These are citizen warriors, and they and they don't want to fight. Like they would much rather pursue their own things. Yeah, and it's but it's not like they're getting drafted or anything like that. It's more of like they kind of see it as like going to jury duty. Like, yeah, it's just something I have to do. This is like paying a parking ticket. Okay, we got to go to war to sit to defend the realm. Okay. Cool. And now their warriors are led by the mage, the Sonari mage cast, which, is, and it, I like this. It says, they seek to twin the magic of the spirit with the excellence of the body, just as the gods Teclas and Tyrion reflect two sides of the same soul. Uh, the elemental principles of the Hishian moon, coupled with the symbolic sun to provide a greater form of illumination than taken in isolation. This is the key to a balanced soul. So, You've got all this happening, and basically, um, they're doing a great job uh, until they start to really get corrupt. Yeah, they started doing a great job up until, you know, they acted like how elves act, and then, you know, bad stuff started to happen. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, 
part of this is they're looking for all of this, you know, they're they're looking to be illuminated. They're looking to elevate themselves. They're looking to get better. The problem is as they get better and better, they start to th- think that they're better and better than everyone else. Well, they start to know that they're better and better than everyone else. But right, but then they start to think that they're better than the other elves yeah. around them, and then that causes... Yeah, Lots being of better than everyone else does give you an ego, and that's a problem for the elves, considering that, mm-hmm. you know, Slanesh. Now, the, they do talk a little bit about um, the realm of light, which is Hish, which is where they are, and then there's Ulgu, which is the realm of, of darkness, the shadows, mm-hmm. and um, those realms are twinned, and I know that you don't... That was interesting. Yeah, I actually, I that's mentioned briefly in the Age of Myths section, Uh how how the the two realms are twinned, and because of that, that's how Tyrion and Teclas and Malarian were able to figure out that even though they couldn't find it, there must exist some sort of penumbral realm between the two of them, and that's how they were able to lock up Slanesh. Even though they couldn't actually go there, they knew that it must exist. Well, they do eventually wind up there. In fact, somewhere in the book, yeah. there, was a, there was an interesting thing. It said that uh, Tyrion and Teclas could not go into Ulgu, and that Balerion could not come into Hish. Which is interesting. I, I, I mean, because it said they couldn't do it. In fact, that's what they met in that middle ground. They mm-hmm. met in that strange middle place. Well, actually, they, they didn't meet there at first. At first, they met in the realm of death because they were, they were there looking for elves. Yeah, looking for anything. <laughs> and uh, then they met someone who was like, there's another guy. His name is Malarian. And, then, of course, they saw each other and they knew. Yeah, I mean, even though you have a different name, it's like, oh, you're you're the guy whose armor got melted onto his body. Got it. You're that guy. Exactly. It gets. It gets. Uh, You're the guy who caused my race to have problems for thousands of years because you were petty, <laughs> right? Um, no hard feelings, though. No, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, th- that's where they meet and they get together and they talk and that's how they they they, you know, they've got Slanesh. They just need a place to keep him and to to. To, to lock him down, and this is where they come very, up with the great plan. Yeah, reading about this actually made me very excited for the inevitable, like, Malarian's army, because... Oh, yeah. Because it it showed me that, like, Malekith was... M- Malekith was always, like, spiteful and hateful because that was kind of his whole deal. He had his mom whispering in his ear, and he wasn't Phoenix King when he should have been. But it's like... I guess ascending to godhood makes you a bit more mature, which sounds kind of stupid, but... A little bit. I mean, when you read some of the stuff, because in, in the... Now, in the Daughters of Cain book, Marathi is in the Realm of Shadows. She meets Malarian there. Yeah. And uh, there are creatures out there that he sort of rules over, and he rules over the entire realm. And he is still a brooding, emo, dark, not Well, so when you're pleasant. a god of shadow, you... that uh, yeah, 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 I could imagine that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... What's really cool, and and this, I guess, you know, we're talking, I'm not even worried about hitting every little part in the book. No, no, no. I just want to talk about the stuff that gets me so excited. Yeah, let's talk about the cool stuff. Yeah, well, and part, I mean, there's, it's all kind of cool stuff. That's part of it. Um, But, you know, building up these models and getting you a small little force together so that when you come home next time, um, we'll have stuff ready to play. Yeah. the idea now we did not proxy out a bunch of stuff to play because you're still learning the rules. Yeah, I haven't played this game in four years. <laughs> right, uh, we played right when it came out a little bit, and you're like, "When they get elves, I'll play." And then and they are. <laughs> and, well, they came out with elves, and you're like, "Not those elves." <laughs> they weren't elves. Techless decided they weren't elves. No, and they are elves. 
they're just a different breed of elves. You wanted yeah. your high elves, and I get that. If they put out the if they put out the book of shadows for the the realm of shadows first, I would have probably played them if they were real elves too. But oh, that that might Teclis decided cool. they were so not elves that he was going to break them with a hammer. Yeah. Okay. That is true. Um, so let's talk about. Um, let's talk before that about one of the coolest things in this story is that Tyrion woke up alone. And Tyrion woke up. Yeah. This I was kind of surprised about that. This book is, I mean, it's Teclis's army, and they're the twins that rule the place. But, but Tyrion's the one who woke up. Well, we don't know where, Te- that's one of the interesting things. It doesn't tell us where Teclis was. It just tells us that Tyrion woke up and was alone. So the whole beginning of this, the whole exploration of the ropes, we're seeing all of it through his eyes, not Teclis's. Well, there's all that too, but... Um Hang on, I'm trying to find the actual line. Uh, uh, it's in the Age of Myth portion. Yeah, I'm just trying to. At times when he concentrated hardest, he could hear. He thought he could hear his brother, his brother's voice upon the wind. In uh, it urged him onward, pushing him tra- uh, to travel further away from the heart of Hish and onto the realm's edge, which almost leads me to believe that, like, I'm trying to think of like the best way to explain this. Like, Teclis kind of became magic as opposed to becoming a god of ma- like he became one with the wind as opposed to becoming like the it avatar be. of the wind i mean we don't know what happened because what what's what's so cool and this is in the age of myth section the wind being the wind of light not like the wind that he heard his voice on <laughs> right um wait because Tyrion was a god of one of the when he was the avatar of one of the the uh, he picked up the sword of Cain, but no, no, he was an avatar of one of the winds of magic at some point. I thought before the end of the world that was, and it actually mentions it here how he had been. Oh, that. I don't, I don't remember that. I, I, was, I can't remember which one. I just I, know that Teclis was sitting there trying to hold the the dimensional portal at the heart of Ulthuan together. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So you get Tyrion wakes up in Zintel, the heart of Hish. And I love how they talk about this. Now, he had, oh, here it is, having been soul-bound with the wind of Hish in his former existence. So he had the he had the light. In fact, Teclis was holding the other stuff. He gave the light to Tyrion. Because if you remember, he was holding a couple of winds of magic, trying to get them delivered to who needed them. And that's, remember, because when one left and it went to the to the one orc guy, he's like, oh, him? Really? Him? <laughs> Um, yeah, that was things the, went where he didn't. That was ex- interesting. Things went where he didn't expect them. I forgot about that. Yeah, because didn't Teclis have like he had like all of the winds of magic except for the wind of death because Nagash had grabbed that one already. Nagash had grabbed that, and then well, well, of he course, like he like had well, all of broken, them. That was part of his plan. As it was broken, he was sending it out to people who were worthy to hold it. People he could team up with that work. Yeah, with. but I thought Nagash like took it before. Teclis could even grab oh, it. Like I, I thought, think, I thought yeah. Nagash like was like yoink, got it. Yeah, I think that well, well because he was doing his own nonsense. So, yeah, yeah, he's he, Nagash. <laughs> he was trying to grab everything. I think at that point. Um, but then it talks about how Tyrion had absorbed so much of that power, uh, and though his last day spent in the world before time, they call it the world before time. I like that. Not the world that was, the world before time, had been I don't troubled. Like that. In it sounds like the land before time. <laughs> Even though those days had been troubling, he had been reborn as a phoenix from the flames. Because, of course, yeah, let's get heavy-handed with it. (laughs) Uh, His mortal frailties were long gone. To all intents and purposes, he had become a god of light and brilliance. So he is physical perfection. He was always, 
handsome and physically he was fit always for an elf. Nearly, he was, yeah, he was always nearly the perfect elf. Now he's nearly the perfect being. Yeah, it's crazy how he goes this way. And so he roams the ten paradises, looking at everything, seeing everything, hunting for Teclas. And then he comes to Hexia. And they're talking about the lands that are geometrically... Now, he's moving closer and closer to the realm's edge. Now, this is what Harrison didn't quite get. Um, and so I'll just give it the quick explanation. If you read about the realms, and this is, I forget which book this is in, and I could get it once I figure... I know Alex knows. He'll tell me, and I'll... I'll realm Wars? It might be in some of that, but there's some explanation. Um, actually, in the, in, the, in the Legions of Nagash, it explains it very well. But um, you don't have warp stone. Like, in the, in the world that was, you just had warp stone. Yeah, yeah, like, and like the Skaven would eat it and all which that is, jazz. Which is basically solidified magic, right? But it came from the warp. Here, with the eight winds of magic, each realm was created from that wind of magic. Like, they live in Hish, the realm of light, okay? So the realm of light will have a, a specific form that its quote-unquote warp stone takes. Um, uh, well, I know Legions and Agash a little better. So the, the realm of death, it's, it's, uh, it's called um, it's Gravesand. Great dust, you know, so that like it literally takes the form of like little like g- single grains of sand, and where it is the most concentrated is on the outer rail edge of the realms. So the farther away if you get from the center of the realm, the more wild the winds which of magic. Make, yeah, get. which makes sense because it's like it's stable at the where it starts at, the, center, at yeah. the heart, and then as it gets more and more out, it, as it grows more and more, it's like yeah, you're prone to things like hurricanes. Now. As you move farther and farther out along the edges uh, in any realm, the farther you go, the more magic permeates everything and the more it messes you up. People don't survive long. No races survive very long at the outermost edges. Um, they just It's hard to live that way when magic is that wild and that superfluous and permeating everything. It's hard to live that way. So they talk about how when Tyrion just keeps walking out to the edge and he's going, my, it's, it's crazy how far he got. Remember, I, I was telling you about this last night. Nagash would send out his skeletons that he had. and He, would, he gave them to, I believe he had, what's his name working on it? Um, Manfred? No, not Manfred. Nobody trusts Manfred. Archon. And so Archon had all these guys. And there was thousands upon thousands upon thousands of skeletons who would march out thousands of miles thousands upon thousands of miles to the edges of the realms pick up one grain of this grave sand and then walk that one grain back if they picked up more than one grain they would dissolve because that much that much magic is infused which is kind of interesting because obviously it's more magically infused and stuff like that but it is in the realm of death is it not Uh uh-huh so why can't Nagash just go and like grab a shovel it's still death magic and it's so plus he's busy well, I mean, I guess Plus, and it's so busy, powerful, but it could he's Nagash. Destro- it would probably destroy his form, too. Let's face it. His form has been destroyed many times. This is true. Nagash has died a lot. <laughs> yeah, so he even that's how crazy this is. So when you read all these other stories about the different realms and the different types of forms that their realm stone takes, and then you get here and Tyrion is just walking out in it farther than anyone Tyrion does walking. not care right and it's crazy well because he because he hears his he hears his brother's voice on the wind telling him keep going keep going and the closer he, he trusts his brother more than anybody else in the universe right and so now the closer he came to the realms or the closer to the realm's edge he roamed 
the more reality faded, washed out by the sheer intensity of the light that shone there. Also, we find out later that it doesn't actually form into stone. It's literally in rays of light that fly around. It's so cool. It is so cool. It's, it's just so cool. Light shot, light shot. And they figured out a way to then put that, grab that light and capture it and put it into stones, which again reminds you when the Eldar put the souls of the spirits into the stones and yeah, they glowed. The, Except, I, I don't remember exactly what they're called. Probably just soul stones. Right. But it also reminds you of soul stones from uh, Malifaux. Except they're not yeah. souls. It's just it's the realm. So it he goes is out the there. realm. Uh, so reality becomes washed out by the sheer intensity of the light that shone there. It became little more than a pencil sketch. So picture reality turning into just pencil sketches of the outline edges because everything else is washed out because of the light intensity. It sounds like the animation budget ran out. And then a cluster of dots, and then nothing more than a concept or wave of thought. He's gone so far out that reality is just light and thought. Still, yeah, he we're pushes real onward. So now he's still going past. It was too much even for him. He ventured miles further than any mortal could have done and uncovered many revelations about the nature of mind, body, and spirit. He stared at the raw light of Hish for so long, his eyes melted in his skull. Yet in doing so, he piqued the curiosity to that realm's edge itself, the elemental spirit of brilliant light that occupied the perimeter inimical and shone as the blazing sun across all realms. So it came to... So the actual realm, the realm of light, there's a spirit within the actual magic. Which is interesting because I don't know if we've... Uh, have we seen that with any other realm? Not to my knowledge. Which which means at the very least in the realm of light, all of this, all of this, uh, the realm stone that they're looking for, it isn't even realm stone. It's a it's a being. Could that be Teclas? No, I don't think it is because Teclas talks to them. But could he be a part of that? Because here's Possibly. where it gets crazy. He probably understands it better. Is that Tyrion talks? To him, elf and spirit, ta- he talks to this spirit, and I don't think it can be Teclas because they still talk to this spirit. Yeah. Okay. But Tyrion doesn't remember anything. He just wakes up in the heart of the realm. So he wakes up back home where he first woke up, and there next to him is Teclas, still fragile, still looking like Teclas. He, the There's is limpy, completely yep. messed, like a... Crippled Teclas. But he glows. It says there's a glow coming from him. He literally glows with the magic of the of the light of the magic of Hish. Um, the two had become twin halves of the same godly power, which instead of being divided or lessened, became reflected and magnified. That's really which cool. Is way cooler than I thought it would be. Yeah. That's like, it's it's not you took a light and you split it. It's like I put a mirror on one side and a mirror on the other side. It's intensifying the light as it bounces it back between them. And then now Tyrion's got no eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Whoops. So, but for some reason, because they share this connection, both being twins and both being both gods of the light of Hish, he sees through Teclas's eyes, which I'm thinking made for some wackiness when it first happened. Oh, he yeah. He sees I'm himself a... through Teclas eyes. That's got to be weird. Seeing what's happening and moving about and what's going on, but not being yourself. Uh, and then Teclas teaches him how to see basically what's around him, see the see what's happening now and right here around you. So basically, Through the light of Hish, yeah. Like Paul Muad'Dib, basically. Tyrion is Paul Muad'Dib in, <laughs> most, in most ways, yeah. So then they walk around together, and there's nobody there. That's so sad. 
At least they have each other. Yeah, because and they better because there's literally nobody else there. And and it's it's good for Tyrion at least because in the beginning it talks about how when he was just walking alone, he was walking with a loneliness that only someone who's lost their twin can understand. Yeah. No, it's, like, it's they had never been separated. Not like that. Not for that long, not for that amount of time. Well, I mean, yeah, they'd obviously like been in different places before, but they had never like not known where the other is or something like that. Yeah, just being that alone uh is is it's so sad. So then they find Sigmar. And they and they were happy to find Sigmar. Here was somebody they knew from before, although they did think he was a bit of a barbarian. They did not give him much credit before. Well, and before he was a barbarian. He was yes, strictly a barbarian. He was literally a, a barbarian king. So but they But now he's a god, so now they kinda care about him. Now, of course, even Sigmar hasn't found too many elves. And that's where they went all to Azerheim, which is why they haven't found it. There's there's the few that they found were like, yes, we'll go there. The realm of heavens. Because yeah. let's go somewhere where we won't be actively hunted. Right. Uh the vast majority of their race had been consumed by Slanesh. And that's when it's like, oh wow. And then they don't even want to and here right here in the beginning, reluctant to admit the truth and readier to trust their own far-scrying vision than that of a god they had long considered a barbarian, the twin deities broadened their search. Once again, blinded by your own superiority. Blinded by, you know, I know you haven't found him, but I know better than anyone. I, 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 I believe me, even with no proof, just my hope, I will take my own belief over Well, I don't do even think? know if it's, like, I get what, that they're implying it's like their own hubris and stuff like that, but I was- A little bit. I, I thought it was more of like, not giving up hope yeah like desperation yeah like there has to be something out here we have to find it yeah and we're gods we're we're gods now and i was arguably the teclas was arguably the most skilled magic user on the planet in the in the world before time but now Poss- now he's a possible god possible exception of uh, the possible exception croak? of nagash or or croak i uh, nagash too you got to give Nagash credit. He literally, he was not born learning and knowing magic. He, in, he caught a bunch of elf wizards and yeah, then he kidnapped them a whole bunch of dark and elves. Learned and how then, to do stuff. Yeah, and then tortured them into. But this is what I was talking about on the last episode when I was by, kind of by myself, just talking about how I'm excited about this. And this is what's cool: uh, the rules for Nagash. He's got the books and he's got all his power. And he, like, when he's fully charged, when he's got all his wounds, he gets like plus three to cast, and he can cast like six extra spells or something dumb like that. Like, he can cast eight or nine spells a turn at a plus three when he's fully charged. And he dispels... Because he's cheating. And he dispels that much, I think, at at plus three. Like, but that's him. He has grabbed magic by the throat. And he does what he wants, but he pushes and forces it through, and as you weaken him, it weakens. And then you get Teclis's rules, where Teclis is just one with magic. He um, is magic. I'm going to summon magic, and it happens. Teclis never fails to cast... That's the coolest thing. He never fails to cast a spell. You might roll for your spell and roll a deuce, and you, mm-hmm. could, be tech, you could be Nagash, and that makes and it a five, but you needed a six, and it just didn't and happen. And now your magic face is over. Um... Yeah, if That's you fail, rule, to, right? I think so. If you fail to cast, no, maybe I don't think it is. If you fail to cast a spell, your magic I thought it was. Over. I thought it was like if you fail to cast a spell, like you that, know, how, like you know, Nagash's magic phase is over. And I have <laughs> literally not played anything with magic in long enough that I don't know. And this is going to be embarrassing because that's a basic, basic rule. But I, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, 
And part of that is because I've been playing other things and just, I don't, yeah. But you, know, you can roll, and if you roll really amazingly high, you might be able to stop it if he's casting a lot of magic. But if he chooses to cast just one spell or just two spells, the odds of you stopping it are almost nil. It's it just stupid. Happens. Yeah, because he is, and that's the, and that, and it may, but it makes sense because Nagash, lore, Nagash specifically. I, I actually looked this up yesterday. Nagash tortured dark elf wizards to teach him how to do magic. Tyrion and Teclis, as far as I know, predate the Sundering. So Teclis has been doing well, magic do. for longer than Nagash has existed. That's oh well, yeah, that's true. I think and, I Nagash, and Nagash and yeah. died in the world that was. Before he was brought back. Several times. He died several times. So there were several periods in there where he was not casting any magic because he was too busy being dead. I just think, I love how the lore and the rules work together. Teclis is literally just, and not only are the Lumineth Realm Lords one with the realm, they've become one with the, their surroundings, but Teclis is, Teclis is one the realm, one with magic. The, the lore of Hish. I don't think he is the lore, but he is definitely one with it. He is at one with it. It is just a part of his being, and that's really cool. And it, and the, that's, it almost reminds me of Gara from Naruto. Yeah. Where the sand, like, it just protects him reflexively. He doesn't do anything. He, he, it's a part of him. It was bonded to him, but so, so was this. Teclis wasn't born bonded to magic. Teclis was born a cripple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, we get through all of this. Uh, we talk about how they meet Malarian and all that, and then they were... Um, now, here's an interesting part, is that when they when they first... The first elven souls to be siphoned from Slaanesh's essence became known as Ideneth, which means extreme seclusion in the elven tongue. I don't remember that in the other book, so... The Deepkin, extreme seclusion Deepkin, because they're still terrified and they're still hiding from Slaanesh. Because they're hiding from Slaanesh, they're hiding from they're hiding from the light. Yeah. That's why they're that's why they're that's why they're deep because the light doesn't pierce the oceans that deep. Yeah, well, I mean they can be out in the light. It's just yes, well, what well, like did. Yeah, kind of scared them. Yeah, uh, they were so badly scarred by their incarceration, both physically and spiritually, that they were close to madness. And the vast majority of their offspring were born with swiftly withering souls. In his grief, Teclis nearly destroyed them all, but at last Tyrion stayed his hand, and then they fled, and then. Um, other groups were saved, ranging in appearance from the monstrous to the angelic, and that's where you get your yeah. That's where you get your um. That's where you get your snake ladies, and, and, and of course the beautiful witch elves as mm-hmm. well. You know, uh, running from the angelic to the mm-hmm. to the monstrous. It's although if you ask Marathi, the snake ladies probably are angelic, but the most stable and sane were the lumina. This such that is just such a great take on it, and it's just that one line, and it's just. Look, Teclis wasn't like, oh, these guys aren't what I expected elves to be. They're not perfect, so let's kill them. It wasn't that. It was, they're suffering. (laughs) And I'm reading into it, it's only two lines. I'm reading into it probably, I'm I'm reading more than is what in those two sentences. I I thought the exact same thing, because, I mean, you're an English teacher. I like to think I'm good at reading. The the first thing I thought of was he was putting them down. Yeah, it's 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 sad because it's because it was it wasn't fair to them. It's sad on so many levels. Um, what's going on and with them? Um, so then comes the rise of enlightenment, and this we'll talk a little bit about this, and then we're gonna probably 
Oh, geez. We'll talk about this in the spheres a bit, and then we're going to take a bake break. Because um, here's what's interesting. So they um, they get to know magic, okay? They keep pulling them out of Slanesh. Uh, they've refined it where they can reincarnate the lost brethren hail and whole. No longer were their attempts haunted by cursed anatomies or hollow souls. So... That's great. They found a way to bring them back the way they went in. So they don't have, like, tentacle arms, and they aren't mean. Right. Got it. Okay. Um, Perhaps in their eagerness to find kinship, they subconsciously averted their gaze from the seeds of darkness within these numerous beings. And that's a pretty frightening bit of foreshadowing right there. Is there still a bit of darkness in them? There's a seed of that. They aren't perfect. But they are perfect. Yeah, elves They were always kind of haughty and kind of jerky. Um, which is, I mean, elves not being perfect is the reason for the sundering. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Elves not, aren't perfect. Eldar were certainly not perfect. They built a god. <laughs> now, what's really cool is some, it talks about the Lumineth and how some of them, some of them just sat cross-legged and just sent their their minds out in astral projection. Like, they, they would try to perfect their mind. What were the three, do you remember in the Eldar, there was like three things you could focus on because remember you were reading those books of the different oh those are uh, aspects it's not that there were three of them there were just three in that trilogy that i okay. read um but like essentially all of your careers were like it, it was your path mm-hmm. your path of the striking scorpion your path of the farseer or your path of the artisan or your path of the painter or something like and that so they so it's not just warrior casts it's it th- th- that's simply how they define their life is by their path right so some went and just went, some went totally mind and just was like literally like astral projecting and just learning all there is to learn about the mystic spirit realm. Some went around and became like historians. They wanted to learn all they could about the realms. And this is pretty cool stuff because I like how they didn't they went out and they didn't kill things. They weren't out there to conquer. They were out there to learn. And and they would like elves that like like they are. Like they don't want to fight things. Yeah. It says here, uh, they did not slaughter these monsters and savage creatures, for they considered it barbaric. They would okay. They did they would tame them if it was possible. Leave them on their own if you couldn't tame them. And if they were untamable and a big pain in the butt, they would well, they would you maneuver them die. through the realm gates to other less enlightened realms. So here we got these things here. We can't tame them. We can't get them to calm down. Let's just send our roach problem to the neighbors. They did. That's exactly what they did. Oh, man, my mattress has got bed bugs. Let me just drop it in Joe's truck. It's, it's the, it's, that's, it's the, they're the worst. I'm sorry. That's, that's so funny. That is so elvish. Listen, we can't tame it. We can't control it. But we don't want it in our realm. They would we, don't, we don't want we can't would, tame it and we can't control it so it's not good here. They would corral them and just push them through the realm gate to somewhere else. Bananas. Just so that is so rude. Um so then but now they start to they start to attune themselves with this magical nature. Um in fact it says they could move between the realms really easily because they would just think of a light bridge and it would appear and they would um they would go that way. They Through their astral it. projection, because let's let's not forget how metaphysical this is getting at this point. <laughs> right. So, uh, well, no, they would think about it, and it would come through, and they could walk physically across this light bridge to these other places. Now, the twin realms, I just want to talk about them really quick. We talk about this. There's a lot of uh, sort of almost feeling Buddhist rising up that ladder, the ladder of enlightenment, where you reach the top of it, you will reach a higher plane of existence altogether. 
reminded me of the Buddha. Yeah, it exactly. And Techless hasn't even done this. Yeah. And what's really cool is the higher you are on that ladder, the ladder of enlightenment to the elves trumps your social status. A hobo trumps a king. If which uh, which again is exactly like Buddhism. Exactly. Because Buddha was a Buddha was a prince, but when he went and sat under the tree to, to ignore the fact that we're all dying, that's when he like gained real power, I guess. Right. I, I mean saying that the Buddha had power is kind of antithetical to what that whole thing is, right. but but so this is also where they learn to create realmstone. Teclas learns to create realmstone, and he teaches them. And this becomes like a, this becomes an obsession with some of them. This becomes a calling. This becomes a job. Now the cool thing is, you put all this, uh, you make this ether quartz. You ca- capture light. You put it in realmstone. They put it in weapons. They put it in jewelry. They put it all over. If you start using it, it increases your magical ability, your prowess, to c- your ability to commune because with magic. Because you become more one with the realm. But unlike other realmstone where you just use it, this sucks up their emotions. It, when it's emptying of magic, it's filling up with their raw emotion, which is crazy because it seems to be draining I, them. And is it? I would dr- like to know why. Exactly. Like, I also does, would like to know to why they the decided that... it's a good idea to take them and just throw them all in a pit because, oh, don't want to deal with this. Well, it's interesting because it's like, it almost makes me wonder if it's, it almost makes me wonder if it's because Tyrion was like the original Avatar of Light and like... The, the, that was like one of his things was like pushing your body beyond its limits and stuff like that. Perhaps like it has something to do with that. Like Tyrion imprinted himself upon the upon the realm in some way. Possibly. I mean, it's 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 just a weird thing that I don't remember reading about happening to any other realms. Of course, they're creating this because it takes the light and they fill up. Yeah, the they're stone physically making as they it. drain the light. Something else. Well, remember that's, that's true. Yeah, it's a realm it's, of balance. White uh, light and shadow are connected. It's a realm of balance. In fact, when you read later, uh, when you talk well, about the realms, everything's all symmetric. Everything's geomantic. Yes. Well, you know, here we have a lot of mountains, so we have an equal number of just as deep valleys. Like it's all balance. It's it's so cool. It it's is so really cool. cool. Um, then they have, of course, the uh, what is it? The pit of Catharsia, which catharsis is mm-hmm. when when you're talking in theater, like when you watch a you watch a, a a tragedy. Catharsis, it's that emotional release, that emotional draining, where you release all that emotion, pent up emotions, mm-hmm. and that's where they literally throw all of their caged, trapped emotions that are in the used up ether quartz. They are just throwing it in a pit that is now just hey, a pit of bad we, emotion and we, sorrow. Bad. Hey, this is such a bad idea. That's such a bad idea. It's it might be a bad idea, but hey, it's easier than dealing with your problems as they arise. Uh, uh no. <laughs> LOL catharsis. Okay. Um, you know what? Let's take a break and then we'll talk about some of the wars and some of the things that are going on that we really want to talk about that we find cool. Awesome. Grognards. That's right, friends. Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois, and at grognardgames.com. They are now open daily from 12 to 7 for your gaming pleasure. Now, if you want, you can go into the store, find what you need. Not comfortable going into the store, even with a mask on? Call them up for curbside pickup. Or order online at grognardgames.com. They've got what you need. They've got Warhammer. They've got Dungeons & Dragons. They've got Marvel Crisis Protocol. They've got Battletech. 
they've got a huge pre-owned section. And you can find it on grognardgames.com or in the store. Now, you can't play in the store right now. Still got to have social distancing protocols. And if I got to stay more than six feet away from you, probably can't play a game of Magic. Probably going to be pretty difficult to play a game of Warhammer either. But you can still get all your hobby needs met at Grognards. Because if the world starts to reopen and your hobbying starts to take off again, you know you're going to need stuff. And you can find it at Grognards. And why? You know why. Because there's always something happening at Grognards. We are back. Yeah, right. we're back. Yes, we are. So let's talk about Spirefall. Spirefall. All right. Yeah, this is where this is where things start to get really interesting for the Realm Lords. Um, it's less about like just the exploration and more about the actual like structure of society and how and how things are related to that. Well, partially and partially it's because of the ether quartz, which seems to work like a drug for these guys, which doesn't sound wrong because they literally when they take it i mean they're all about communing with magic right yeah they're exactly. all about they're magic and when they get this ether quartz when they use it they get jacked on it and Which suddenly fair, yeah. as it says right here supercharged by ether quartz the unbridled progress and success of the lumineth had an intoxicating effect on the elven psyche sounds like meth Competition grew ever fiercer. The struggle to corner the market for the raw stuff of ether quartz became intense. See right there. Now they're all trying to have, make sure that they have all the ether quartz. Yep. Which considering it's all over the realms, all over the edges of the realm, you can't get all of it, but it's dangerous to get. Intrigue and yeah, game, it's, like, it's like spice mining. Yeah. Intrigue and game playing turned into skullduggery and sabotage, but as yet none dared openly admit to their weakness. So this is all back there. So, um, some of these guys don't sleep. I love that. They just decided we're not sleeping anymore. Well, yeah, because that's eight hours a day that you can't be working. That's a third of your day to right there. To spend a third of each day with your eyes closed, perhaps even snoring like a base human or dwarden, that's fantastic, <laughs> was considered a boorish habit that the truly enlightened could do without. I'm wondering if they really could do without. I wonder if you start to suffer from sleep deprivation like humans do. Well, I mean, if you could just... I mean... Even if they didn't have ether quartz and they were just like so magically attuned, they could probably just like... Just, like, boost themselves up with a little bit of magic, and then it's like, well, obviously your magical reserves go down, but that's where the ether quartz comes in. Well, and I know, like, I know the Tolkien elves don't necessarily have to sleep, but they will, like, they can go stop into, like, and a little, they will meditate. Well, they'll meditate in, like, in D&D, a lot of times elves will uh, put themselves into a trance state where, mm-hmm. they can st- where they can react to things, but it's still, like, for They're six resting, hours a day, yeah. you're, it counts as if you're sleeping. Right. So, uh... But that's interesting because it says that they're addicted to the progress and the and the growth that comes from using ether quartz. Yep. But uh, you, so I think they must not be able to go into that trance state because in that trance state you would still be able to think and be able to theorize and come up with ideas. Oh, that's true. So they must not be able to even do that. They must need proper sleep. So much like much like when Moses went up on the mountain and came back down to find a golden calf. Uh, Teclas, Tyrion and Teclas were both, had to go. Like, they had stuff to do. Sorry, we're gods. We got things to do. 
tending to the arcane wards of the hidden. They basically were working. They they were working still with Sigmar's pantheon, mm-hmm. and they still had to keep an eye on Slanesh. Yeah, they had. Luckily, there's two of them, but they had their hands full. So while they're going, they're doing all this stuff. Uh, the elves are slowly getting more corrupted, and it's just it just took these two not being there, not being able to keep a lid on things. And it's not like they were keeping a lid on it. Their very presence kept a lot of these elves, I think, from going stupid. While they're gone, yeah. while they're gone, within a few short weeks... Slander turned into attacks. Like, they basically started each other. Like, they would, if you did something better than they started accusing them of, of, of being in track with demons. Like, this is like Salem witch trial nonsense. And this is just, like Imperium nonsense. Yeah, oh, you must be working with demons. Uh, you are working with, with chaos if, if you're that good. Nobody's that good. Well, I'm not uh, that good, so obviously you can't be that good. Exactly. And at, mo- at first people are like, meh, and now they're like, huh, and then they're fighting over it. Like, they're literally coming out and starting the... the, the they're, 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 they're going to war with each other, which yeah. is bad. And what happens is all that repressed emotion, all that emotion they put down as they start to get angrier with each other, as the emotion starts to raise, they lose control of it, and it blows open like an overripe fruit or a... Gross pimple. Thank you for that vivid imagery. I like the Baron Harkonnen. Um, so this becomes spiral. Basically, and here's the great part. They talk about how they, they would advance all these magics. They would make different new spells, and then they would invent even stronger spells. And they invented spells so potent they could level mountains. And they're like, why would you invent a spell like that? They're like, oh, we're not going to use it. But it's nice it's to be interesting able to, to see do how, it. Yeah, I just want to see how much power I could build. Like what they they were they were constantly looking to do more, to do something better. And in in the in the realm of the martial arts, especially magical martial arts, um, yeah, they created spells and stuff that could level mountains. And like we'll never use it. And then they started a fight. And then it got real. And then of course, and then you level mountains. Yeah, they go after each other. And as they do that, guess what happens? As they give in to their most base desires, as they give in to their most base emotions. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. In the, 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 they start getting rifts in reality, and suddenly There's so the demon demons are pouring out. Um, and they say basically if it wasn't for Tyrion's military genius, they would have been completely wiped out. They would have been wiped out. Tyrion and Teclis came back. Teclis starts throwing magic around like crazy, organizing what he can. Teclis comes in and starts organizing the fights to, to, to resist. And basically... Which is, which is interesting because demons are inherently magical creatures, so it's probably Tyrion's martial prowess that was most effective against the demons as well. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, like Teclis could probably shut down those portals pretty well, but... Demons are inherently magically resistant, at least in lore, if not in rules, but... Yeah. And what's interesting is when you look at the Ten Paradises, uh, I'm on page 15, when you look at the Ten Paradises, it's basically eight pie pieces are the eight realms. There's Zintel in the middle, which is the center the centerpiece, and then... Hyxia? Uh, Hyxia? Yeah, Hyxia yeah, or whatever. It's a palindrome. I don't know. Um that is literally that realm is the entire outer reaches, all Which the way makes around. Makes sense because it. it's you know it's a thin strip, but it's all the way around. So they did everything they could do 
Um, Tyrion led the defense. Teclis, and Teclis wasn't there. Oh, that's right. Te- Tyrion goes in there, and I forgot Teclis wasn't there. And the, the Lumineth were freaking out, and they were screaming to him, to, praying for him to come back, and he wasn't answering. And everyone's like, what is happening? And Teclis heard every word. Uh, though his body sat meditating in the wilderness of Hyaxia, his mind traveled far, even in the etheric void. There in the darkness, he spoke mind to mind with beings not of the realm spheres and found new wisdom. And then he found a spirit known as Elementor. This is really interesting. Uh, he, you know, he communion with the spirit of the moon. Here's and all the this question: stuff. Like, what? These are spirits beyond the eight realms, right? Mm-hmm. What, what? What is that? Is well, that's that what we don't. Think, it, that's the only well, thing no, I can imagine. It's like the ninth realm, I think, is the is the is the realm of chaos, right? Mm-hmm. But then, what's in between them? If each realm, if you think of each of the realms as a sphere, the complete realm, and the realm gates jump between them, what's in between the realms? That's Dark Eldar. <laughs> that, that's all I can imagine. But that's what I'm. That's that's all I can think of. Is it? Is it? It's because the webway uh, avoids that. Where are they? They're not in chaos. They're not in. But there's got to be something. Otherwise, when where does one realm end and one realm begin? If they're all in the same space then there's got to be an overlap. But if there isn't, then there's gaps and what's in those gaps. And that's what I think. What he, I don't think Teclis was doing like Magnus and talking to, yeah, talking to demons and not knowing it. Teclis would understand better. Well, I think Teclis would, isn't somewhat, he isn't a fool like Magnus is. The problem is that like, the, the question is, what is Teclis doing that he's very aware of? Not what is Teclis doing that is maybe a mistake that he shouldn't be making. Yeah. So, he found he finds Selenar or Kelinar, um, which is uh, this spirit known as an Elementor. Now Kelinar sees him because Kelinar is like the spirit of the moon, and there's also the spirit of the sun, and so the two of them are sort of like they they work with each other. They're, they they enhance each other. Exactly. Yeah. He sees Teclis and sees that's the exact same thing with, with his brother. with his yeah. brother, and he feels like some sort of thing. There's for, a kinship there, right? And so he decides to help Teclis. And so Teclis is gone for a month. When he which, com- which in God years is a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, considering how much... But he's gone for a full month in the realms. For a and considering month, it took about 20 minutes for the elves to break everything on their own. And he shows up with Kelinar. And they find the, they find the, 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 the most worthy of the elves. Either the most repentant or the ones who were the least... Now, either the ones who weren't caught up in all this petty bickering or the ones who were, but really, really were sorry. Yeah, they, they either didn't want to be involved at all, but somehow were dragged into it or something like that. And that's what he starts doing. He made the pact with this elements of the realm, this Kelinar, and he starts teaching them how to do how to bond with the actual elements of the realm. They, this is where the realm lords become the realm lords. They literally start to become one with the elements of the realm. I think this is fascinating. Which is interesting because it means that even the uh, the extent to which the elves were uh, were colonizing essentially the realm of Hish in a non-invasive way, they weren't one with the realm. No, they were, they were just, inhabitants of yeah, the realm. They were symbiotic with it, but they were not an element of the realm essentially. Yeah, I mean they lived well within it, but they were still just inhabitants like you were saying. So 
and these become the first realm lords. Um, Teclis taught them how to speak to geomantic spirits, stuff like that. Uh, and this uh, this is the beginning of the fabled wars of reinvention for long, bloody, and strife-filled period in which the Lumineth overcame demons within and without and became one with Hish. Uh, it could be a mountain spirit. It could be a spirit of light. It could be a spirit of the river. Uh, and since then, they have founded hundreds of temples to this. Um, and I think it's funny because they said uh, there are some amongst the elves of Olgu who maintain that the elementary, in devoting themselves so wholly to the patrons, have simply swapped one obsession for another. I love that part. I love that, that it's like... Oh, you guys, yeah, you, well, no, was, you're not any better. It's it's interesting because it's like they're the elves of Olgu, right? And so, so obviously that there are elves. They're probably Malarian's elves because he lives there. So the dark elves have always kind of had a way of cutting through, uh, cutting through it and just calling it like it is. And they're totally right. They've just transferred their obsession from murdering each other to worshiping a giant cow and all that jazz. <laughs> Well, and then you've got a Valinor, the Stoneheart King. Um, a Valinor. You know, Valinor. Yeah, it's almost like that was straight stolen from Tolkien, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we won't mention that. Uh, I love this picture here, the pit of Catharsha, though. All that remains of Catharsha's chasm city is a pit of shadow and despair many miles wide, where sorrow itself is the only occupant. And there's this pit, and the picture of it right there is just like this sad gro- ghost face. Yeah, it's, in the pit. it's like, really oh, that's bad. horrifying. That is horrifying. Um, so then what happens is... Uh, okay, quickly... Tyrion, while Teclis is still doing his thing, Tyrion is still trying to fight. They get together, and basically, Teclis comes back, and he's like, okay, these places are salvageable. And Everything they, else, it's gone. They have to order an organized retreat. They pull back to these places. They start laying down magical wards to block things. They start laying down magical wards against any rifts that they can't close just to lock the demons from coming into their realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it's sort of scorched earth. Anything they can't save, they burn. Otherwise, they're moving back, and they will come back later to fix it. And I don't mean literally burn, but it's just like it, lock it away, but lock it off. It's chaos. You can't – when chaos is infected, you have to kill the whole city. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And um, it's what the it's what the empire used to do, and it kind of worked for them a little bit. And when the uh, what do you call it the the arcane portents before we had the the big necroquake, they saw the portents. What's interesting is in the land of Hish, because it is so purely magical and light, they were seeing weird literal things happening. Like it wasn't just like oh we feel a weirdness in the ma-. like stuff was just happening like. Like an actual earthquake. Like, the Necroquake had physical effects on such a magically potent land and a magically potent people as well. Mm-hmm. And I love how they would see, the you know, this moon haunting it or, uh, you know, skeletons of snakes slithered with new life to chew their own tails. Like, weird stuff like that was happening. And they're like, this, there's something bad, you know. Which is interesting because it's like, they're the Lord. They understand the realm at a fundamental level that no other people do. And when they see that things are going bad, it's obviously going very bad. Right. Uh, and I love how when they start scrying to see what's going on, because they know something's going on with the realm of death. 
Because it always happens in the realm of death. And it says, they they ascertained that the forces of Sigmar, as well as the teeming war bands of the Dark Gods, and the idiot savants of destruction, were... Because... Mo- <laughs> Because in fairness, that's what orcs and ogres are. It's, I just love the way they describe them. That's such an elvish way to describe. And it's so offhanded, too. It's Yeah, it's just like, yeah, these idiots. Yeah, these, these you know. It's, just, it's so off the cuff. It's so perfect. These beautiful idiots. Um, so they start to get this, and the necroquake breaks through. And now, oh, now it's super dangerous. Um, and I love how they knew something weird was happening, so they just started putting down defenses you know what? Last time something weird happened, demons came through. So they so start laying down defenses. Let's not let that happen again. And when the necrocake comes, some of those are even smashed. But a lot of it holds, at least holds enough where when the when the undead start coming through, they have more of a chance to stop it, lock yeah, it down, it's, mobilize it's the defense. Yeah, it's less about... It's it's they they knew it wasn't going to be perfect that the necrocake was going to somehow affect them and affect them in a, real, a very real way. But... They like minimize the damage, which is all you can really hope for in this kind of situation. Yeah, and so basically, what happens is after the necroquake, they go back and they're like, they they send a message to Malarian and Marathi, and they're like, we gotta go check on Slanesh. And basically, Teclis is like, um, he told Tyrion, and he kind of convinced Tyrion, he's like, look, um, this necroquake changed everything. It messed up everything. Everything magical went haywire. A lot of magical things were destroyed. Other magical things went super magical and went like the the roaming predatory spells yeah. and stuff. He's like, this probably messed up the cage. We should really check it. And Malarian's like, you know, I've been thinking the same thing, but I've been taking a look at it and it seems all solid to me. And Tyrion, who had devised a lot of this, was like, yeah, well, I... Nothing we make is going to be bad, so yeah, I think so too. And it's like, oh, and Teclis is like, you're such a moron. <laughs> yeah, um, a Marathi. It was so funny, M- Malarian. Because bad things are happening with Slanesh, so Marathi has to be involved. <laughs> well, no, but she's there. But Malarian and Tyrion are like, now nah, I think we're good. And Marathi and Teclis are like, uh, really? And it's funny to see one from each side thinking something's good or something's bad. Uh, then he goes talk to Selenar, and he's like, no, Selenesh is going to get freed. And so this is where he gets his plan, and this is where he starts militarizing. And he's like, look, we need to go to the other realms. We need to find these places where the realm, the... the, 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 the where Selenesh has taken hold. Well, not just, not even where he's taken hold, but the spots where the, the veil between our realm and chaos, that realm and mm-hmm. chaos is weak. We got to go down there. We got to purify that area, and we got to put down wards. And anywhere it's weak, we got to shore it up. We got to clean it up. We got to fix it up because that is going to help to keep him in prison longer. Help to keep us doing our things. And this is where this is what reminds me of the Farseers, because they'll come in seemingly in a battle that seems completely unimportant, and then they'll have to wipe out absolutely everything. Everybody dies, <laughs> you know, no matter who's there, no matter what, because they have to come in and do this, and then they have to lock it down with all their magical and purify. It's like it's and no. I'll, you gotta think that the other gods and the other uh, realm beings are like are what, kind what of mad doing? because yeah, what is happening? Because it is kind of like let's call it what it is. They're invading and then annihilating everybody, changing the the physical structure, the magical structure of the realm, and then leaving. Like, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was Homeland Security, I'd be kind of upset. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um. And then we talk. They talk about uh, 
their their mandalas and their little runes and what they all mean. And that's that's actually very interesting. And we talked about it a little bit in the beginning. I think we talked about it enough in the beginning, though, where we don't have to sit and, and dwell on it. Uh, it's something you can read up on. Uh, and what I would like to do, uh, at least really quick now, is talk about the four realms that the book talks about just quickly. And then we'll probably wind up taking another break because I'm going to need one. I know it's been a much shorter time than the other Well, you time. should mention uh, at the beginning when we said how there the there's the... Uh, the different regions of Hish. There's the heart area, then there's eight of the like little mm-hmm. spokes essentially. Right. Um four of them are like are called the Teclian uh regions. Oh yes. Where they're all uh focused where th- where they devote themselves to the mag- to magic and they devote themselves towards uh towards Teclas's teaching. And then the other four is the Tyrian hemisphere where they are like where where they seem to be more martially inclined and things like that. Yeah. So this, this book only com- goes into those first four Teclian ones because complete balance though because there's you know no well Tyrion, this is sadly. well this is the Teclas book and these are the realms that well of course basically when you're gonna play this army these are the realms that yeah these exactly. are the lands that these armies come from so you get these four you don't get the center square and you don't get the outer reach because nobody lives out in the outer realms nobody lives there yeah so what do we got we've got Yometrica. And these guys, um, these guys believe that the higher you climb, the easier it is to become enlightened. They were the first to master communing with the mountains. Do you want me to just read the, the if you, if you want intro to. blurb? Yeah. Emetrica is a land of lofty peaks and even loftier philosophies. The Emetricans combined their ambition to climb ever higher with the warrior skills practiced by the discipline. Uh, by the disciples of its many mountains. It is said that the the Emetrican armies are are a gleaming white cliff against which the forces of darkness will dash themselves to pieces. Yeah, so they, yeah, they are totally in touch with the mountains. They are totally climbing up there. Um, I think it's interesting, though. Owing they seem to be, like, they seem to be your basic, like, your ultramarine, like, faction to play in this. Uh, possibly. I, and we haven't gone over there, because if, if you can choose to be from there, from the different uh, parts where you get to pick up a place you're from. Yeah, but that's the war, not the lore, so right. deal with that. But they do the great. Yeah, they, they're those four great nations you can choose from in the book to be. You can choose to be from one of those nations. You get special rules. But I think it's interesting because of the symmetry. Yes, this is the place that has all the highest mountains where they're going up and they're trying to. Um, they, they go up to to elevate and and reach enlightenment. But because it's got these high mountains, it's also got these low valleys. Exactly. And exactly. Everything's symmetric. Everything's geometric. It's perfect. But as Makes much as they go, very helpful. They're they, very happy. They go very high, and they get enlightenment towards all this good stuff. But they're worried that they believe that if you go into the chasms, it goes on a journey of introspection and mental delving that can bring to the surface the deepest, most disturbing emotional experience of all. So as you reach these high heights, and it's all glory and light. Going down the opposite direction delves into it's and, be and, horrifying. and it delves into your darkest emotions. It's all about that emotional stuff. So the highest peaks are enlightenment, and the valleys are facing these horrible emotions. Um, and these are not. And it's funny. These are the least hasty of the luminate. They're the ones who are going to analyze and check everything, and then they're going to make one move, and it's going to be the right move. Which is which is very elven of them. It's like they're. They kind of they remind me of how Teclas was gone for a month, even though the realm was falling apart, and he heard everybody screaming for him. But he had to do this. He had to, you know. They're going to sit there, and they're just going to be like, "Okay, this is what we need to do. This is what's going to happen." Bada bing, bada boom. Yep. And then you get to Siar, Siar, the makers of wonder. Do you want to read that one? 
In the times of the Spirefall, the preternaturally talented artisans of Sire wrought utter destruction upon their homelands. Now they turn their limitless ingenuity to the business of the mortal realms of salvation, their famed artifacts of war against set against an enemy on a score of fronts, even as the Sayari homelands are painstakingly rebuilt. Yep. Um, these are X-Men craftsmen and creators. They make, it says, you know, they had uh, fantastic works of art, but they also have the most uh, fantastic eldritch weapons and their libraries. Their libraries have the books of spells that are the most destructive, and that's why this place got wrecked. Because when they started to fight, when the spire fall happened, all <laughs> they went for broke. Yeah, they, they just, really went for it. <laughs> they, all the stuff they said, oh, we would never use that. We just want to know that you can create it. Yeah, they they blew it all up. They did it all. They destroyed everything. Over the course of the Okari Dara, they were decimated and they Okari were Dara is the spirefall right. in elven mm-hmm. uh they were yeah i sorry i didn't even mention that um they were decimated and those who were survived were traumatized and they said they would never make they basically swore off making weapons because of that which is very interesting because uh, it's like they they kind of started off as like oh they started making art, and uh, then they started making. Forgive me, more Father, I have sinned. Uh, they started off as like the Dwarden of the Elves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were the craftsmen. Um, but then Teclis was like, uh, "Yeah, no, um, you don't get to stop making weapons because chaos is here now, and we need to fight." <laughs> the chaos, chaos is here, and it's your guys' fault. So you're going to make the weapons. You're just not going to use them against us. Yeah, how about doofuses. you don't try to level a mountain when we're on the mountain? Uh, I do like the little thing where they talk about their big, their where they every year they hold their big, uh, their yearly festival of artisanry in their the their the capital city of Ar Anaskath. Now, first of all, you've got to go through a hell the uh, a brave the hellish sentient chasms and time warping predator spells to get there. So you go through all this stuff to get there to show that you have created. So it's already a trial just even to get there to show that you have created the most beautiful stuff. And there's stories that they tell of Dwarden, of of like Grungeny's worshiping Dwarden, who are the like the, the the best craftsmen of the Dwarven. And they show up there and they bring their stuff and it's beautiful and then they see it, but it just, it's kind of humbled by the, as the Lumineth equivalents transcend conventional no, con, transcend conventional notions of quality altogether. Well, think about it. Like, elves are immortal. They literally have all of the time in the world to perfect themselves to their craft. So I could spend a hundred years on a single painting and I will still see imperfections in it that you aren't even physically capable of noticing. Exactly. But I, I, I am truly a master of my craft and that's when I can that's why I see things that you don't, and that's why I'm objectively speaking better than you. Yep. Uh, and then we got Iliatha and Zaytrek, and then we're gonna we'll stop here for uh, another break. Uh, you want to go over Iliatha really quick? Iliatha, a matrical, a matriarchal, matriarchal. Yeah. Thank you, a matriarchal society. The warriors of Iliatha put great stock in the propagation of life, both naturally and through the creation of magical simulacra. The intrigues and misdeeds that led that this led to in the past has forced them to take a more puritanical outlook, though they are still by far the most numerous of the Hishian nations. So these are the ones who actually are going for like, hey, we need to rebuild our race in like a more traditional sense. Less of a, I'm going to pull the souls of my brethren out of a god. So, and they used to think that having 
babies was weird. In fact, they have a really weird society. They used to think that having babies was it was bloody and painful and just unnecessarily gross. Um, Which so, it is. So they would have babies, but they would also just where they would split their own minds. And they would basically be able to split their minds in two, being able to focus on two things at once. And then they would actually make clones of themselves somehow, magical clones, where they would split the, the, the mind that they split is now in two parts. And so then suddenly you'd see a lot of twins in this place. But then they started getting wonky, and then they'd have three, four, or five of them. And then- Which is too much. <laughs> that's too much. And then they would all be working together because they were all the same person. And they would split the mind, and then they would start doing weird stuff. And of course, nobody's going to tell because nobody in that, everyone in that group is the same person. You know, now everybody's me. Yeah, ex- I'm not going to tell on myself. Yeah, I'm Locutus of Borg. Like, <laughs> yeah. So they're all working together, and this becomes really weird and really crazy. Um, and they would extend their fame and their influence with it, and it, it, it led to weird things, and it started to break the laws of reality, which is one of the ways that let the demons in. So the Iliatha are a problem, basically. Well, no, because they don't do... Well, now they do it, but now since the reinvention, you can only split yourself once. There can only be two of you. Which is a pretty good rule to have. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, like... There's never any situations in which, like, essentially making forks of yourself is going to end well for everybody involved. Well, I think what's interesting is now, even if you do make two of yourself... Because a lot of people look at you sideways and think, okay, whenever other people cloned a bunch of themselves, they would go off and start doing weird stuff together and not telling anybody, and they caused a lot of trouble. So now they're almost encouraged. Now they go do other things. Like one guy might be doing one military branch. One guy might do a completely different military branch. They learn different things. They train in different things. They actually don't even necessarily live in the same area together anymore. Because even though they're the same, and I wonder if they still know what the other one knows and stuff like that, if they split. I don't know how that exactly works. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's an interesting question that's like... But they do yeah. split apart because of this, this, um, this is still sort of taboo to a lot of people. A lot of people don't like it. There's a lot of them that don't split because they're like, yeah, well, look what happened last time we did that. But there's a lot of twinsies things going on here. And keeping it to two, you've still got that balance yeah, and that yeah, symmetry. You have so, well, because especially like, you know, once you start making three, then, you know, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think three is an odd number. So that's not going to be symmetrical. Right. So then you go to four. And now it's like, oh, now I've got four. Now you're getting. Now, and now, now you've got four. Now you don't need to talk to other people. And that's right. a problem. Exactly. No, it's not right. Uh, and when we got the last one, Zytrek. The air shimmers with unreality around the Zytreki war host, for this great nation specializes in the shaping of spells. In Zytrek, the power of magic runs through the veins. Their sorceries come not from artifacts or formalized rites, but from the essence of the Lumineth soul. Even when unarmed, a Zytreki elf is a deadly foe. This is the magic, guys. These are the guys. Teclis spends all his time here when he's not doing... When he's not... On a Tech job, plays favorites. When, well, I mean, this is this is his place. This is the place with the most magic. This is where, and this is where I say a ten-year-old here can beat uh, one of the uh, collegi- one of the patriarchs of the collegiate arcane. Yeah, easily. Like, and, well, and people are like, maybe, maybe not, but still, they are confident that they can. That's how good at magic these. They're, they're confident are. that they can, and not only are they confident that they can, they just. Even if they couldn't beat them, they understand magic in a more fundamental way than they could ever than than the patriarchs could ever hope to do. Um, 
the Zytrekki or like the, the, the spirit, the moon spirit. Uh, we talked about uh, Kelinar or Sel- yeah, I think it's Kelinar. He loves them the most because they are the most in tune with that. Also, I think it's interesting. These are the guys who go out most. These are the guys who leave and go to the other realms the most, which is interesting because it's like. They're ambassadors, diplomats, delegates, and, and why wouldn't they? Because their all their whole thing is based on magic that they pull out of their soul. So it's not like they it's not like they'll ever need like more equipment or something like that to go do their thing. It's really cool. Um, I do like that they go out and they observe and they they they're fascinated by the magic of the other races. That is not their type of magic. Uh, the Duarden rune rune crafters. Um, well, that's what it's like. They don't use artifacts. They don't use rituals or anything like that. They just do magic, like at a more fundamental level than anything else. And there's some other stuff here. They talk about the Seraphon. They talk about the Canites. But then it says even the savage face of the Uruk, the Ogre, and the Grot are. Ex- but they are. We watch. They we don't, they don't watch them too close. Because you don't need they to. Watch from, well, no, you they're watch going from a on distance. a while again. Great. You watch from a distance because otherwise you might just totally get smashed. You might get wad. Um, what's cool about that, though, is no doubt there is power there, but as incarnations of faith rather than skill, and they learn them only to know how to better defeat them. Most feared of all is the bad moon, worshipped by the grots of the subterranean caves, considered the natural enemy of their lunar cults. So the bad moon... The bad moon is, in fact, a bad moon. And let's face it, the Grotz never liked the elves, and the elves never liked the Grotz. It's interesting how the bad moon is the bad moon. And I like how they watch it at a distance, and it's a faith-based thing, which if you remember... Well, that's how the orcs did everything. Yeah, I remember back when I first started playing, back when the when like a couple of, I think it was 5th or 6th edition book for the orcs was out, probably 6th edition, and, you know... They talked about how the you know the more units you have engaged or something like that, the more power it gets. Like, and there's still that stuff going on now. You can get the power uh, in charged. In fact, that's in the new book. They brought mm-hmm. a lot of that back. Um, just that spirit, that energy. Yeah, you paint it red and it goes faster. Stuff like that. Yeah, it works because we believe it works. The stupid, the stupid warp gun. The stupid warp gun. You know, that's the most 40K. powerful weapon in the universe, and, and they use it to knows, throw grots at them. Nobody knows how it works because it just works because it does. Um, Spaceships that aren't even airtight, like it's just crazy that it. And but even in even in this realm, it's like. They get worked up, and their magic gets more powerful. The more they're doing stuff, the more it grows, and it's like, and they're like, "This is fascinating." But I like how this book kind of confirms that it talks about that, that weird face bait. This is not normal magic. This is magic that I couldn't replicate if I wanted. If I wanted to, yeah, I don't just, want to. It's icky, but I couldn't do it. It's cool. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, let's take one more break, and then we'll come back and let's just talk about the like just the basic ideas of the 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 big characters there's only 10 units in this book yeah exactly let's get the basic ideas down from them and then wrap up the show
Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. We are back. 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 So, um, the space timeline, or the regular, you know, the, the, the history of Hish, or the history of the uh, Lumineth Realm Lords, uh, you know, we're going to probably, I have no problem skipping over most of this. Yeah, it's like the spark notes. Yeah, the only thing that really struck me is the very first line of it is that Tyrion and Teclas awaken in Hish. And then they go around looking for stuff, which basically skips that entire first part of the story that we got with Teclas being nowhere to be found. And Tyrion just kind of walking around. Yeah, and I know that's how he was just walking around, but where was Teclas? Teclas was just straight up gone, that's... and nobody seems to have any problems with that. And then suddenly he wasn't gone. He just was there next to his brother after his brother lost his eyeballs and went right to the... I wonder if the model's going to have no eyeballs. Like, I mean, it oh, doesn't say he got them back. It's definitely going to have a bandage over the eyes and just look awesome. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> but, yeah, so we heard most of the story. We're going to keep going. And uh, so let's talk about uh, just a couple of things here before we wrap up because we have been going for a while, um, which is to be expected when you're talking... When you're talking elves. This is... Uh, okay. So, Archmage, Teclas, and Selen... And Kel- is it Selenar or Kelenar? What do you think? Uh, Selenar sounds like an actual elf name, whereas Kelenar kind of doesn't. That's what I was thinking. I don't know. Selenar seems like something that would be in Lord of the Rings, right? That's what... I don't... You know, I just... It's one of those things where I'd, I'd love to hear the guy who wrote it. Say who it's it is. It's probably like Kalenar or something like that. We're both yeah, wrong. we totally read it wrong. Um, I just wish we know who who the who wrote this bit of the lore so we can ask what the actual pronunciation is. So you get this picture, and I tell you what, the drawing of uh, Selenar is way is actually kind of cool. It's really interesting. Yeah, he looks he looks almost like like a manticore almost. Yeah. But it looks but like furry. an old school Persian manticore, not like just the generic monster. Right. He looks a little furrier, you know, and I guess, well, the model looks furry too. I Now that I know what that's supposed to be and why, I kind of like the model even more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The model's, the model's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, and I know it says it when you look at the model and they say, oh, it's the spirit. No, this is, okay, let's, let's, let's talk about the, the, the one page of Teclas history here that is, just shows how awesome he is in in the in the new worlds. 
Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So, he is known as the Mage God, okay? Some whisper that he has transcended physicality entirely, becoming a being of pure light that retains a humanoid form only to communicate with those lower down on the ladder of enlightenment that bears his name. So, they talk about that. They talk about all the... There's still legends about what he did in the world that was. Oh, yeah, there are, because he was... Even in the world that was, he was he was awesome. He sacrificed himself to make sure the elves survived. He unbound the vortex in order to deny the chaos gods. He kept his from being consumed by the power. I mean, it goes through all this, and I like at the end, he doesn't talk about it. He just tells them, those who have ventured into shadow for the good of all have earned the prerogative of dwelling in the light. That's... But it's interesting that some people believe that he is light, like he, he's made of light, which could which could explain... The whole where where is Teclas question, he was a part of the light and was like still almost gaining distinction from the rest of the light of Hish. Had, had maybe it, that could have happened to him where he was in part of the light and he doesn't talk about and he doesn't talk about where he was. He doesn't talk about the stuff from the world that was. He remembers it. And he seems to remember it very clearly. And then some of the other gods do too, but you other people who come through and there's just rumors and things and it's kinda yeah, half remembered. Exactly. And here it's like, no, he gets it. It would be cool if that's true. But also he was physically there for all of that stuff. Like, a lot of the stories that, like, Nagash would tell and stuff like that, it's, Nagash was dead for long periods of these. Teclis was active and doing things at this time. Yeah, I just, like, it would be, I think, it, you're right, I think it would be very cool if he was that, but, it, like, he needed to, like, f- he needed time to, like, distinguish himself from the rest of Hish. Or that he was out there and then the rest of Hish, like he had become the, the, just just become one with the magic because he had done all that stuff. And then Tyrion out there talking and begging and trying to get information doesn't remember it because they don't let him. But he basically, you know, much like when Teclis went out and and the, the and Selenar, you know, or felt that kinship to him with the mm-hmm. with the twinness Maybe he came out there, and there was that kinship that pro. That you know what, your brother is here. Maybe he had trouble forming. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps Hish like opened itself up to Tyrion and gave him Teclas. It's possible, and I mean we don't know, and that's what's really cool. Which I'm really interested. I wonder if because they tell us so much about Tyrion without Teclas, I'm wondering if in the in the in the army book that he winds up in, if we hear this that other half of the story from the from the Teclas side. I am hoping because. I just, I kind of, I really want to know what happened. This is so cool. Um, now, he's not perfect. He is not a, a perfect god. He is still, he he's still learning. He's still trying to understand, to possess, to do things. Um, and this is why when they start pulling stuff out of Slanesh, yeah, he messes up in the beginning. Which is interesting because it's like it shows that he's like he's obviously not omniscient or omnipresent or something like that. He's still he's he. It seems he's, I can't say he's just a man because he's not. He's more than that. But he's a god. But I mean, it, I mean, in the way they describe it, I mean, is he is he at least immortal? I mean, well, they're elves. They're immortal. Yeah. So I it, it feels more of like a like he's a god, but his power is still finite. Right. Um. So, he he keeps working at it, and he keeps working at it, uh, and it it seems that 
you know, he's when he makes the realm lords, it's like he's trying. He here's the thing: an imperfect being cannot create a perfect being. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what it basically comes down to. He is imperfect. So even the realm lords, there's a seed of something not quite right in them. Or or, or else the, he just could not purge that, whatever it was from Slanesh. Well, don't forget, like, even when, when they met Sigmar, they were they were out looking for elves even after Sigmar said he hadn't found any. Obviously, he still has some sort of hubris or ego involved in that as well. Mm-hmm. So he can't, he can't be perfect. It's simply not possible. But, boy, he does a lot. You know, oh uh, yeah, he tries his hardest to be, and how, and then he astral projects and he finds Selenar, and for days he talks to him, begging him to help him, and it's interesting how he goes to this thing far above the realm, something so far removed from the realm that it can give him advice not tainted by what's going on, because it yeah, has no exactly. vested interest in it. Really cool. Just the concept is weird, um, but then it. It pays off because after after all this time and after all this waiting and all this trying to get it, it it starts debating with him and they start talking. He and he talks to him in the tongue of ancient Ulthuan and I'm like, Yay. Oh yeah. Um And he keeps talking about it and basically Teclis talks the spirit of the moon, the the moon god, whatever you want to call it. Um it sees how hurt he is, the scars he carries, the the all the stuff from all of the ages that he worked and tried to make the world a better place, tried to make you know to to make keep his elves safe. And like it almost takes pity on him at this point. Yeah. It sees how hurt he is and then he starts talking about Slanesh and something in the uh, that's what's really cool. Some aspect of the void spirit shivered in revulsion at the mere mention of the god's name. And so then it's like, nope, we're gonna go with you. So he takes physical form, abandoning the spiritual home to leave the true moon of Hish itself as nothing more than a lifeless orb of rock. A greater calling had been made clear, and they wouldn't abandon it. And Boom, I will go with you. I will fight right alongside you. You're right. We can't leave this. But we I mean, telling, we can't leave Slanesh to go and do his thing. And just telling him about how they I mean, the entire worlds were destroyed. If I mean, he's on this moon. If the entire world and the moon is destroyed, where does he have to go? Like it Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah granted you're way above this, but these things are still They're still just, real to you. Yeah. And now they're pretty much inseparable. Uh, they talk about stuff, they hang out together, they do all this stuff, you know, they'll ride his back, Teclis will take out a nice brush and groom him. Yeah, all that jazz. Teclis has yeah. got a drinking buddy now, and it's mm-hmm. a moon god. Yep. I wonder if they do trust falls. I don't think they need to. I think they just know each other well enough. Like, I know that the, I know well, the Stormcast- I mean, cast, one has wings, and the other one can clearly fly, The so. Stormcast with the Dracoths, you know, that might be a thing, but not here. For you know, Teclis is a god amongst mages, blessed by the moon, and he's not afraid to show it. And, of course, they describe how he could just shoot light blasts out of his hands and his moon staff. And, I mean, he, wasn't he's all his got stuff his, moon he, stuff back in the old Teclis model? Didn't well, he, he the had moon the moon staff, but that was... Oh, yeah, I guess he did, because he had the big moon hat, too. Yeah. But he had the moon staff. That was, like, an actual special named weapon. His sword wasn't anything moon-related. That was just the sword of Teclis. So now you've got this sort of 
I like how they take this stuff that he had, and it's still important to him. And when he comes and he starts to think, where can I go for advice? What spirits can I speak to? He goes to the moon. It's interesting. It's interesting that he that he that that's what he gravitates to. But he talked the spirit of the moon, the thing that had been up there all this time and had not taken part in anything going on in the realm, because it's so far above the realm. It's just not. It's importance. It's not relevant to them. And he exp- and he debates it and talks it into coming down and helping him. And so now he rides around with this thing, and now I'm like, this thing is cool. This is kind of awesome. And yeah, of course, it's awesome. you get the typical stuff, like when Teclas comes down to fight, the, he changes the course of history, you know, that kind of thing. Of course, when you're playing it on the table, he'll show up, uh, you know, <laughs> he'll show up everywhere. <laughs> like, oh, oh, yeah. No. You're like, <laughs> They're opening a Goodyear tires. There's Teclas. Like, it's just. Yeah, he's there all the time. Yeah, but it's just, it's. I love this art. I love this picture of him just floating above, ready to go. He, you know what? I wish he looked more like this in the face than on the model. The model just yeah. looks so angry. Yeah, the model and looks kind it. uh, It's this the, the one part of the model that I don't really care it's for. It's the part of the model that didn't make sense in the old game either. Yeah, he's always like, rawr. In fact, the face in this still looks like the face. If anything, they kept the face consistent. He's still got sort of the just just the 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 sour puss look. It just on him. I can't make that face if I try. We're looking at the at a picture of the model because this makes for great radio. Oh, this actually this actually looks different. This uh, I'm sorry. This face looks weird. It, it just I can't does. make that face if I tried. Like the nose is long, but then it's got those long wrinkles by the, down on the side of the face. The mouth is in a weird shape. The eyeballs are at a weird angle. It's just a little odd. And I and trust me, and I like maybe this model. Don't get me job, wrong, but it's, yeah, maybe it, it doesn't. Is. Yeah, this is. It's just a little odd. Uh, I'm pretty sure the word for it is not good. <laughs> well, no, you know, and there's I know there's people who literally just cannot stand this model. That they that they don't like the creature that it adopted a weird human face mask that techless. Oh, I love like the porcelain mask. I think it looks awesome. I'm just wondering, but what is it covering? Because if it's a spirit and it just took that form, then that mask is kind of its face. Because it's not. It doesn't look like it's sticking way out, covering up an animal face. It looks like that just is a face. Yeah, it just like, but it's like it looks like it's made of porcelain. It yeah. looks awesome. Um, Teclas's clothes look a little weird. Not gonna lie, compared to every other creature's clothes, everyone else in here, they've got you know, they have more of that. An elvish that I think look. is that I think is the paint job in this particular picture that we're looking at. Yeah, but look, he's got the tall boots, and then he's got the floofy pants, all gathered up. <laughs> it does kind of look like an Arabian Nights look. Yeah, exactly. And the other the other elves don't have a look like this. So I, uh, once again, curious to see what Tyrion looks like if he's dressed similarly but with more armor. Maybe if he's like sitting there, like in a belly dancer's outfit or something. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> I'd pay a hundred dollars for that model, honestly. Uh, well, we're probably going to. So, uh, I just absolutely, absolutely love the the one page of story back here. Just puts out, um, just puts together all this stuff, the pain and the suffering, and what he did, and what he worked for, and. <clears throat> And how it was all just kind of ripped away from him. Yeah, and and you can be mad at him for failing to do to to when when he first started pulling souls out of Slanesh. And you could be like, Look what you did with the Deepkin. 
Um, in fairness, they were the last ones eaten by Slanesh, so they spent the least amount of time being tortured in his belly, so they're a bunch of crybabies. <laughs> well, were they? Is the, and if they and if it's true, well, actually, the last one was Marathi, and she pulled herself yeah, out, the last which one is how they Marathi. figured out how to get her out. Um, I don't even know if there's so much crybabies as they were inside Slanesh, and that was a long time, even though they were the least amount of time, but nobody knew how to kind of get them out and get them out whole. I sort of got a feeling like it's sort of... <sighs> Like, you know, yes, we figured out how to get it. So it's kind of like a reach in and grab and pull. And as you're just yanking and pulling, it's kind of getting torn up and, and wrecked and ruined. But you're just pulling and pulling until it comes out. But, hey, you spent the least amount of time inside the belly of Slanesh. But it's, so th- but it's still getting wrecked and ruined. I mean, count don't, your blessings. <laughs> don't blame. I don't, well, I'm not saying we should blame the deepkin. I'm saying, yeah, he did a crappy job, but he did the job. Who else was pulling souls yeah. out of Slanesh? Who else? I'm saying Deepkin more were, like Weepkin. Yeah. Who else? <laughs> Come on, don't be don't be a hater, because that's a pretty cool army, actually. No, that army is actually really uh, cool, and I feel really bad for them. I really feel bad. You read their lore, and I feel bad for them. But to sit there and be like, it's all his fault, dude. I didn't see anybody else pulling them out. I mean, yeah, the old, what, you want all, of, still the, helped all of the elves to be like Marathi? Because, no, I don't want that. And they still, and they pulled out a bunch of them for Marathi, and, and we know Malarian's got a bunch. Um, yeah, granted, it took time, and after a while, he got it right. But the thing is, he got the job done. And it wasn't, once again, it wasn't perfect, but to sit there and point the finger at him and be like, you really suck because you didn't do it perfect. Well, yeah. I want it perfect or else I hate you, you know? Okay. Um, I just, I look at this and I'm like, wow, this guy's a, this guy really is a hero. Oh, yeah. He's a hero in the in the strictest sense of the word. I mean, he's an elf hero, which means he's a bit haughty and a bit uh, pretentious. Whatever. And, that's just part of his charm. Up. That's part of their nature. But that's elf nature. That's not just him. And even if it was just him, I think he's proven himself, like, deserving of that. Well, and okay, and then let's look what else he's done. The Light of Eltharian. Can we talk about Eltharian? Uh, you mean the Light of Eltharian or the old Eltharian? Oh, wait, they're the same thing. Yeah, this was legit Eltharian, the one that Archon the Black cursed and turned him to dust in the Battles of the World that was that was the, basically what the beginning of the end times when they were doing all that stuff, they were sparking off those battles and those wars, trying to get them back so that they could get that girl sacrificed, so they could bring back Nagai. I mean, it was mm-hmm. that was. If you don't know that story, that's in book one, Nagash from the yeah, and and that was some crazy stuff. That was like you're watching, going, no, no, wait, everybody's doing the wrong thing. The and 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 the, and he was, but Eltharian basically gets turned to dust, and here's Teclis. Who somehow has some weird theory that because Nagash didn't scoop him up and have his soul somewhere, that it's floating out there doing something. And he spends over a month meditating and fasting and sitting there concentrating, finding the little motes of energy that are Eltharian's soul. And he does this. He finds the little bits, and he puts them together. 
Like, seriously. Like, the craziest puzzle ever. Yeah, exactly. He found the unfindable. He found the little tiny... He found the needle in the haystack and then used the needles to build a human being. Or an elf being, but whatever. Exactly. In fact, no, here's the thing. He had to find thousands if not hundreds of thousands of needles in hundreds of in in in, in, in a world-sized haystack and then put all those parts together and then he does it now here's the weird thing is he realizes he could do this so first this is great he finds an elf who kind of looks like him and says can we do one of these doppelganger things because you know doppelgangers did I say doppelgangers? Um, because why not? Because they have a, because a whole do they it. have a whole city that does it. So he's like, sure, why not? So they make a body for him, and Teclas pulls all the parts together, shoves it in there, and mm-hmm. it works. And he opens up his eyes and goes ah, and turns to dust again because because he's still cursed. Because Archon the Black's curse is that badass, which is it has shocking. been millennium. Oh, since yeah. that curse was laid down, Archon the Black has been gone. He, well, I mean, let's. I mean, if we're taking Teclas out of the picture, you've got Nagash, and then who's the next most power? I mean, th- it's him. Yeah, like, he can throw around magic like nobody's business, and he's been doing it a long time. You know, um, but so it does. And what happens? Teclas starts bawling. Like he, he's like. And he's so upset, and I feel so bad at this part because he's like, that was so hard. I can't do that again. Like, I can't. Mm-hmm. So they had the body, and they had the beautiful armor he had made, as close as he could remember Eltharian's original armor being, mm-hmm. as close to his original sword it could be. And then the body inside the armor turns to dust, poof, goes away. And he's crying mm-hmm. because he's like, I can't. Teclas oh, is weeping. Weeping because I, I, I had it. My, my friend was here again. I brought him back, and boom, this turned to dust. The curse is still going. I can't, like, that strained the limits of what he could do to where he's like, I don't think I can do that again. And all of a sudden, the suit just stands up with a glow and and, and salutes him, and he's like, oh, and I'm like, oh, you know, that's the part of the movie where you're like, yes! Where he, he put he put Altharium back together, and even though his his body had disintegrated he was so magically like forced together the pieces of his soul were so interlinked that they didn't require the body anymore well and the thing is he keeps trying to make him bodies and they keep turning to dust because archons archon has put a curse on him that techless can't figure out how to break that's kind of Okay, so That's, so I'm gonna do a bit of techless defending here. How much research can he do on this curse when the moment that it takes effect, the body turns to dust and he can't study it anymore? Well, it's not only that. The curse was—I mean, you know—if there was an incantation, if there was anything, it happened. Well, yeah, it happened in a, another universe, you know, half a million years ago in a place that doesn't exist. So, I just. Oh. And you know, I kind of you saw the it's the light of Eltharian. I figured it was the spirit. I mean, it says it, they said it was the spirit of Eltharian. Yeah. and I'm like, oh, okay, the spirit. Of, but you know, I what? thought it was like the spiritual successor, not actually the guy. Well, you know, they've got the 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 trees, and they're the spirit of Durthu. You know, it's not actual Durthu. Those those big tree kin. Yeah, exactly. They're just the spirit of Durthu. It's not. I don't think it's the. I, I could be wrong because it, it. Let's face it. It's Sylvanas. Nobody yeah. cares. But. 
It's actually Eltharian. It's actually Eltharian. Like that's the awesome. Old guy. Totally want to put him in every army now, just because there he is. Of course, Eltharian had the two forms. There was the blind form and the regular form. We're gonna go with the regular form because we already got the blind form because we have Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Um, unless that wasn't him. Was that him? Eltharian the Grim was he because remember they what was the, the there was that elf lord that they had two forms of because they had the different story I think it was during the the storm of chaos and he got blinded and he kept fighting and he fought with a, a blindfold on I don't think that was Eltharian I think no. that was somebody else yeah it, it might have been let me see if I can find I don't want to be elf racist but all their names start to sound the same after a while yeah there's a lot of vowels <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of L's and thus, Rylanor, Lannanorilanin. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's real rough over here. I wonder if we have if did I, did we keep the old elf book? We might have kept one of the old elf books that he's in there, but it does. It, I mean, it doesn't matter if he's that guy or not. I could totally be thinking of somebody else. The point is. It's actually Eltharian. It, it was Eltharian. Okay. I rule. Okay. I think so, it was like fifth that he be, he was Eltharian the blind, and then they kind of retconned it. Yep. Uh, we gave him his eyeballs back because you know. All right. So let's let's talk about one more, two more things because the regular units. I don't. You know, it explains them here. Everyone else can read them, and it's just it explains how good they are in battle and why they're so good in battle. But blah blah blah. blah yeah yeah yeah. It's it's fluff. The Sonari Cathalars. The role of the Cathalar is one of consummate importance. So they take the emotion in the ether quartz that people do and in a solemn ritual burn it away in clouds of raw psychological energy. Which is really feels like something you shouldn't be messing with, but here we are. Well, I mean, they just basically, okay, so I have this power, this ether quartz, and I use all this power and boom, it's just burning through me. And then when it's done, I've got this toxic negative energy Emotional I've got a rock of sadness. Well, and you know what? I think it beats just throwing it in a pit. So they take it and they're like, look, we have a way to dispose of it. And they weaponize it. Yeah, they basically, they they drain the emotions out of the gem. And then in doing so, juice themselves up a further time. No, no, no. They're not juicing it up. They put it in that brazier. And in uh, that and thing and then oh, and, and oh yeah, yeah as yeah, they yeah, burn yeah. it off and it turns to smoke they send that smoke at the enemies which it then starts to just wreck havoc with their emotions till they freak out and start going and and they can't even fight because their emotions have gone wack and it, it says even the undead affected by the smoke find a voice wailing and chattering as the intensity of their predicament becomes clear to them and they collapse to the ground. It, they have magic that beats Nagash. It's very cool. They just they can they, and, to, they effectively undo Nagash's binding. But if it starts to overwhelm them, and this is one of the reasons when they walk, they keep on the ground. They move very slow, and they keep their feet on the ground. I almost feel like they're dragging it, and it says this keeps them grounded, literally, almost like electricity. Yeah, exactly. Because if it does start to overwhelm them, they can send they can send it to ground, which then kills all the plants around them. And all that because it's. I'm like, oh, this is cool, and you know what? As if and once again, where uh, the the lore meets the rules. So this is what they can do, and I think this is really cool. Two things that they get to do. 
Um, one is called emotional transference, and you'll like this, Harrison. At the start of the Battleshock phase, they can pick a Realm Lord unit wholly with 18 inches of this model. On a two-up, they don't take Battleshock. In addition, if they're anywhere killed, that would you know adjust your Battleshock rules because you add the deaths mm-hmm. to your Battleshock. Uh, yeah. You can pick an enemy unit within 18 inches that has to take a Battleshock test that phase as well. And you can add the models to their role. Oh. So if I lose five, you know, normally, uh, you know, and just because I know you don't play that often, and I know the listeners already know this, but so you take, you roll a dice, and you add the number of dead models, or the models that that you lost in that phase, Mm -hmm. and if they're higher than your leadership, for everything they're higher than your leadership, you lose another model to running away or dying. Yeah. So if I have leadership six, and I lose five models, if I roll a one, I'm fine. Because that's but five if you plus roll a one. Yeah, that's anything gonna... over that, I lose that many yeah. more models. So, what I do is I'll just take that five, and I fought you, and you lost three or four. Now I add my five to it, and now you've lost eight or nine on plus Uh-oh. your roll. Yeah, so you could actually take suddenly the, you're losing dice plus three or something like that. You can take the panic from the dying, take it away from your own elves because they don't have to feel it. And shove it onto these other guys. Amazing. Then you have the spell where you can pick a unit and until the next hero phase roll 2d6 2d6 every time they try to move around and stuff. Uh, If the roll is higher than their bravery, they just don't get to do it because they're... Because, yeah, you're scared. Sorry. You're taking raw emotion... And shoving it out there in a weaponized Raw form, elven emotion, mind you. Yeah, that's like that's like I said, that's like Vulcan emotion when it gets out of control. Oh yeah, it like those Mister Spock freakouts were not not something. Um, and then I want to talk one last thing about the um, avatars of the Hishian peaks, as it says it. Uh, uh, Cow monsters. <laughs> the spirit of the mountain. Um. Okay. Uh, now you look at them. I'm like, why are they shaped like cows? Well, they didn't really choose the form. It's been made for them. Yeah, it was constructed by likely the the CRs or CIRs. Uh. So. The. The stone mages go. First of all, just like. Um. The spirit of the moon left the moon. Mm-hmm. They're literally calling the spirit of the mountain, and it takes weeks. Like he, he's not going to show up if they get sneak attacked. It's like if somebody sucker punches them, he this no, guy's not showing gonna be, up. It's going to be a problem. Weeks of begging the spirit of the mountain to leave its happy mountain where it's just chilling, go into this thing that they built for it, and, and go, go to war. war. Uh, what's crazy is you start reading about this. Okay, it's part. It's a vast sculpture. It's full of realm stone rich rock. Okay, the mountain on the top is an is an actual scale reproduction of the mountain of the mountain. Yeah, that, that they're calling the spirit from. So you got a mini version of it on the shoulders. Okay, um. 
they've got all that stuff going. There's a little ecosystem going in. It's got little trees growing on it and stuff because this guy because it's perfectly it's perfectly to scale of what they're used to. Right. They have to build the hammer. Okay, it's got to be perfect. The mask that it will look is sculpted in the likeness of the sacred sacred Yemetrican longhorn, the rugged alpine beast that is said to be immortal and embodies the mount the mountain more than any other creature. So that's why. Yeah, so it, it it's the cow because the cow is the mountain, essentially. It's, it's the bull because this major bull creature is said to be this immortal creature that lives among the mountains, and it represents the mountain. It, yeah, it, it might as well be the mountain. Now you can still laugh. You could, I mean, you, I could give any reason. You know, it could have three heads because you know the, you know the mountain, the times and space and 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 yeah, you know, and toughness or so. I mean, you can make any excuse for what it looks like. But when they explain everything they have to do to build it, and then you still don't know if it's going to take it. You just got. You kind of got to hope. Yeah, and then you get to. A Valinor, the Stoneheart King, and the best part is, guess what? Um, nobody made him. <laughs> yeah, he's just kind. He's there. No one knows where he came from. He came to the Elrith temples, fully formed, having been conceived to fight in the name of civilization by Selenar. So Selenar created that for him. So once again, uh. Well, you know, oh, they all look like bulls. Well, yeah, but the spirits of the moon and the spirits of the mountain decided that's what they should look like. And you know what? We they, don't fight with the spirits of the moon or the spirits of the mountain. They chose that form, and honestly, it's pretty scary. It's yeah, it's fi- it's fitting. Yeah, it's the bull god. You know, monster magnet knew what they were talking about, and I'm pretty sure the bull god was Hashut, but. That's okay. <laughs> uh, no, Hashut was not. He's the yeah. No, he just. That's that weird other stuff. We don't talk about those dwarves. Oh yeah, because you hate dwarves. We've been over that. I don't. Don't do that. I just don't happen to own any. Well, I do own some. I got about ten of those guys, and I got that boat that I painted. That's so beautiful. Uh, I can't wait for the rest of this army to be released. I'm very excited. Everything about this army just God, that lore so excites me. There it's that precision that they talk about. It's that perfection that they talk about. And we kind of glossed over a bunch of that and especially not well, going like into the perfection unit. of hish itself and all that jazz uh, the symmetry of it like i said we talked a little bit of how for every big mountain there's a valley of equal proportion that you have the and all, and all of the mountains are perfectly or perfectly triangular and everything is perfectly symmetrical well not perfectly because they still have ridges and bumps and well yeah but all of those are tri- perfectly triangular oh it's just they live in this weird perfectly balanced world which is why i want to learn this is why i want if if there's two things i want to see it's the Tyrian book and the and the, and Malarian, the Malarian book, book. because i want to know what ulgu's like is ulgu this perfectly balanced as well or is it a, a hot mess because they are the they are twins they are they yeah, do rotate exactly. around each other and this is such perf- it's just such a great concept and you watch these guys who work toward and it's it's not i mean that part of the story is not unlike the elven stories we've had before yeah exactly 
but boy, whoever wrote this did a really nice job doing it. Yeah, they they really they t- they took their time with this one. This one was definitely something that's been that's been carefully thought out and carefully gone over to actually make the uh to to make it fill to make it fulfilling. Yeah, and it's a new realm with new elves. They're slightly different than the old elves. The f- okay, can we talk about the fact that every elf is super magical and that, once again, that that lore... I mean, all the elves every are magical. Every elf is magical. Every elf is magical, but not every elf was a mage. And now that's kind of not true anymore. That's kind of not, not true anymore. Um, they all had some little magical ability. But, I mean, and even if they are all have some little... It, once again, the lore goes into the game because every stinking unit can every at unit least can... cast a spell yeah to increase well cuz all of the like it, it like it talks about the the long spears pikes it the pikes it well no they call it does call them spears in the book they're just really long spears but that's that sunstone or whatever it is that's yeah. that's the tips of all their weapons mm-hmm. so when they say that magic spell, what they do is they heat up that sunstone where it gets so hot that it'll cut through any sort of metal or anything like that, like a hot all through wax. So that's how you get the mortal wounds is this thing's already deadly. But if the, but if you get the spell off, it heats it up and it's going right through whatever you're wearing. It's perfect. It's, I mean, and, and every single unit can do it. And of course, and then you get the other rule because... Um, the the rule still exists where you can only attempt to cast any particular spell once in mm-hmm. your turn. So, like, if you're going to cast, um, you know, Mystic Shield or whatever, mm-hmm. one even though every wizard may know it, once one wizard tries to cast it, succeed or fail, that's it. Yeah. That spell that every unit knows to turn their mortal wounds from sixes to fives does not apply. Does not apply. Why? Because we're one with the magic. We can do because this. Because they are magic. It's the. Uh, I've been wanting to do this review for a while, and I'm so glad. Like, you're going back to college in 48 hours, not even, and you have to pack, and you took time out, and I really appreciate you taking a few hours because. You know, Alex is just finishing up moving house, and he's going to come on in a few days and talk about the the rules with me. But I don't know the rules, right? But you read the book, and you were so excited, and I just I wanted to bring on. Hey, I like having you on because it's fun to have the, the Phoenix Prince, on. right? And something like that. Um, but you have such a passion for this army. You get so, and you know, maybe you're not excited because as, they're the coolest. But like, we had <laughs> Mephisto on talking about, uh, the, the, the other, the other, uh, undead army. And I always forget their name now. Night haunts. No, not the night haunt, the new ones, the guys I don't like, the bone big, eaters, the bone. Yeah. The Ossiarch bone reapers. Thank Thanks. you. That's it. Um, like, I don't think I've ever been that excited as that guy about that army. Like I don't think I've ever been that excited about anything. <laughs> but you know what you 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 it's like when you got so much passion about it it it's like it 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 spills all over and then and then and then I get and then I get messages on Facebook and emails <sighs> you just talked me into buying this stupid army with your with your excitement for it. Well, okay, good. Have hey, fun. You hey, should buy Lumineth. They're I'm, really cool. <laughs> I made you buy more toys. Uh 
sorry, not sorry. Like, if you buy more Illumineth, we might get the Tyrion book faster. So, you know, that might not that might not be a bad plan. So excited, so so excited. Um, I just I I love this book. Like, I never played an elf army in fact no that's not true i did buy the wood elf army i played it a few times uh, it was more of those elves were bad back then though when i was playing them they were not so great they you were basically, like number 14 you took a couple of units of bowmen and then you took treekin and that was the, the treekin were the ones that were doing the work uh and yeah but no when they first came out back in what in sixth edition they were stupid good but that's not the point. I played them for a while. I did like them. Don't get me wrong. But I never. It, w- it wasn't like I played any elf army for very long. Whereas I pretty much only played elves. Yes, you did. This army, though, if, by and like I said, if I can get it, if if it comes out in time and I can get it put together and painted, um, I'm, I'm, I will. T- I will take it and play with it when you're not home. Like this will be the thing I'm taking to play. I have. My Night Haunt, but that's like, even my Night Haunt army is something like 130 models. <laughs> Whereas this will be like 24. This'll, yeah, this will be a couple of a couple of my battle foams into that little battle foam, uh, like that banker box, and I'll be able yeah, to take you get, that anywhere. Yeah, like ba- you get like techless and a couple of, and you get like a unit of spearmen and maybe some maybe some cavalry, and you're fine. Well, you need at least three units of uh, the hey, you know, tech, still. techless spearman cavalry. <laughs> no, that's that, three right there. You really have no idea how to play this game. That's that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I just I cannot wait to get a chance to get this put together and at a full two thousand points and have you and I be playing it. Um, I'm gonna just I'm gonna try to throw everything at it and see what happens. And plus. Uh, I have Night Haunt, which I don't think they now they don't get to play with Nagash, but I do have the rest of my Legion's army, so we can have a a, a, a magic gods off. Yeah, and I won't be I won't be afraid of your dumb handed de- dust or whatever, because Teclas can just dispel endless spells whenever he wants. Because handed he's dust techless. isn't an endless spell; it's well, just yeah, a spell. Well, yeah, but the mirrors, the, the mirrors are what makes it dangerous. Yeah, I don't play that. That's cheese. <laughs> I just never do. All right, folks. Um. Before we go, uh, I want to take. I want to take one more chance before we go to thank our sponsors: Castork Superstore, Six Squared Studios, and Grognard Games. I want to thank our Patreon patrons, those people that almost one percent of our listeners who make this show and everything we do possible. Um, you have no idea how much we appreciate all of your help. Uh, and that includes our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, Lance Pear, and the new, new, newest patron, the comeback kid, AJC, as well as our executive producers, Colin Miller and uh, Andrew Frank Husen. Thank you all for being part of that 1% that makes what we do here possible. So, Harrison... Thank you again. Hopefully by the time you you come back from school, because I know you won't be commuting back and forth too much because of corona. They don't want you going back and forth too much. Plus, that's like a lot of driving. Uh, You don't do the driving. That's part of it. You're not... I got class. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
but hopefully by the time you get back, I will have a full army for you and almost painted. That would be nice. I, I will try to have everything painted except it, it, that except the big. I'm not promising on the big big boys because those I'll, I'll want to try to take time those with. Those take time, yeah. Uh, everything else I'm going to try. I, I to would do, prefer do quick. not three color standard techless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, but thank you so much for doing this. No, no problem. It was oh. a lot of fun. I'm glad. I'm glad. And uh, once we play a few games, you can come back on and actually talk about the what you learned how to play and what you like about this. Yeah, I learned how to play the game. I learned how, like, movement works. <laughs> <sighs> all right, folks. Until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you've enjoyed the show... Maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer and Alex, that's me, is at somekindageek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums, that's tga.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.